Blog Talk Radio. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. Here we go. <laughs> Off to a good start. Oh, yeah. Here we are. Doing it live. Hello, this is the four one one. I got Google. that. Reference. Googly. This is the four one one Music Zone podcast. I am your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified at this introduction, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And of course, with me, uh, as always, this is it, folks. This is the night. After months and months and months of doing these podcasts and being uh, and me forcing. Clutch on him uh, like a like a drink at a girl at the bar. Here, have another drink. No, no, I really got to get home. No, have a drink. He's finally getting to call his own shot tonight. This is part one of the Megadeth retrospective, and here to lay it on you is my co-host, Mr. Robert Cooper, the Metal Coop. How you doing, sir? I am dandy. I, I am more happy than Bill O'Reilly with working production. <laughs> Well, but let me let me inter- let me let me introduce you the right way. Hello, Robert. This is the new me. <laughs> I'm doing good, Mark Rodrich. <laughs> That's good. I'll do this as Dave Mustaine. I'll do this as Dave. <laughs> I was gonna say I'll do this as Dave Mustaine from Sweating Bullets. You do this as Bane. This will be a fantastic podcast. Oh, I'll do no. I can do I can do Dave Mustaine from Sweating Bullets. Hello, Mark. Here's the podcast. <laughs> That is a great. Let me say this before we even get into this podcast and start playing music and talking about Megadeth. Let me just say, my I, I understand that Dave Mustaine is an American. He might even be an American American. <laughs> I understand he was born in this country, but he has such an awkward way of phrasing things and and singing style that he that he. I feel like as I was listening to the first six albums from Megadeth and you know and specifically watching the video for Sweating Bullets to have myself a good laugh. And show it to my wife and say, hey, check this out. Um, I've noticed that he reminds me of the Swedes from Family Guy. You know, who, who are just, 
awkwardly murdering the English language. You know what I mean? It, <laughs> just, it's like, and when we get to 502 later on, it, it does the same thing. It's like, pull over, shithead. This is the cops. Like, he's re- <laughs> like he doesn't know English, but he's just reading a screenplay. <laughs> he's doing, a, he's doing like English, like all the Japanese do. <laughs> yeah, he's speaking English. He, he, he's doing English. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, oh, I actually listened to that entire album because I had to take a cat to the vet. So on the way there and back, it was so far so good. So what? That's an original copy. So the production is shit. <laughs> oh, production is just awful. But, you know, it's a great album. As, as you know, since you had to marathon Megadeth. Yes, yes, I have. My journey started last week. All right. Let's get serious here. Now, again, before we start going album by album, and tonight is going to be, as I said, the first of two parts of looking at the entire uh, career of Megadeth. To to date, they've put out 13 albums going as far back as uh, Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good, as I was reminding people at work today. I was telling them that Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good, which was interesting because I work in a jail. I was also telling them that sells, but the question that remains is who's buying and I, they would just give me quizzical looks. But uh, Megadeth's career started back in 1985 with the aforementioned Killing is My Business and Business is Good. And I'm going to give a little prologue here. I'm going to talk to Robert about how we got to this. Now, as I said, Robert, this is one of Robert's favorite bands, if not his outright his favorite band. And It's number two. It's number two. Okay. And... When I was on the Lost episode of The Three Beards, we actually got into a discussion of how would you rank the big four. And I said uh, Slayer was at the top. Then, um, did I, what is it, Slayer, Metallica, Anthrax, Megadeth? It was, an, or, it was Anthrax. It was Anthrax, it was number Metallica, two? Megadeth. Okay. And my rationale was Slayer was the only band out of the four of them who ever stayed to their roots. You know, they they were a thrash metal band from the from the first time Slayer got together to this day, whereas all three of the other bands tended to vary off in different directions. Um, I also was the least familiar with Megadeth. Robert was the most familiar with Megadeth. So oh, tell me, oh yes, <laughs> and, and that's where I'm going to set you up with here. You would Taurus put them as the number one of the big four. Tell me how you came to Megadeth. Give me the whole. You can even use more than fifty words. <laughs> Tell me how oh, you came oh, to make okay. it. I'll give it. I'll give it the uh, Jeff Harris fifty words. <laughs> Except I won't argue with. Then I'm hanging up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get Jeff and Sam in. Why not? <laughs> oh God. Anyway, me with Megadeth. Actually, you know what? Like, I had no clue about like when I got into metal. I was into like metalcore and stuff, like Kill Switch Engage, As I Dying, all that remains, all that stuff. And then I was like, okay. Then I got Metallica. So I was like, okay, you know, I think Metallica is probably the best band you'll get. And then I had a teacher, uh, junior year in high school, Mr. Everhart. He was huge in the 80s metal. I love Molly Crew and all that, all that stuff. And we did, a, uh, we did this game. Well, we did a game where he would give out a, a band, and then you, uh, he'd give out a song. And you'd have to match the band and the song, and that was your group for the day. So everybody pretty much came to me because while I was a noob, I was pretty pretty well set. And then he was, then uh, I think he picked Symphony of Destruction for Megadeth. I had no clue about Megadeth. I'm like, okay. I've heard of Hangar 18 once or twice as a guitar hero, but 
I wouldn't really dig into them. So I'm like, okay, okay. Let me go check this band out. Listen to, you know, uh, Symphony, Hangar 18, Sweating Bullets, uh, shit, what was the other song? I think it was Train of Consequences, something like that. And he you know, fell in love. So I went and picked up so I went and picked up the uh, greatest one of their greatest hits albums from Walmart. Instantly loved it. Every song on it, great. Still do love every song. And then after that I got one of my uh, best friends at the time, Eric. I was like, Hey Eric, uh, you know you you torn bands bands, right? And I'm like, Yeah. So he got me the whole Megadeth discography and I haven't looked back since. No, not at all. What <laughs> I just, is I love it about thing. What is it about Megadeth? Um, I answer this question in two ways um, and, and make sure you use complete sentences. Now, uh, <laughs> when do I not? <laughs> that was just like one breath. <laughs> what is it about Megadeth that you like in general that makes it your number two band? I mean, what is what? how does it speak to you, Mr. Robert Cooper, the Metal Coop? One. Two, why is – let's relive some of the conversation that no one will hear – uh, because we can't get that episode to work. Um, no. Tell me why you ranked Megadeth number one of the big four without saying because they're the band that I've known the longest. You can't use that as the reason. Oh, no. I remember I didn't give that the reason. But the reason, the thing I really like and the reason why I put them above is that their quality is consistent. Now, Slayer, Slayer are the, definitely the most consistent in sound, and you can argue with quality because, you know, Slayer, they're classic. I'm not going to knock anything from them that isn't Diabolus Musica or some divine intervention. But, anyway, like Megadeth, as you've listened to the first six albums, I'm pretty sure you can agree that they're all, if, like, I'm sure you wouldn't say they're classic, but they're all good, if not great, pretty much. Like, you know, there's a few, maybe a few stinkers here, but they all have their own, like, they have their own sound. Everything kind of evolves and evolves in a pattern. You know, there's a there's a pattern to it, and even after this, even when you get to Risk, Risk has some really good songwriting moments, like some stuff you're like, okay, Dave, that was pretty good. Now, music-wise, yeah, they kind of missed the boat, but there's always something in a Megadeth song, in my opinion. There's always something worth worth listening to, always. Even the new single Super Collider, which I listened to and got bored during, the solos were great. The song was. It was boring, nasty crap. <laughs> okay, not that bad, but it was pretty boring. I was like, eh, what the hell, Dave? This sounds like a radio single, which it will be. But every like every song feels it feels like it should be there. All the albums really have a consistent tone, and I, I feel like even though they did switch at the same time Metallica did when it comes to heavy metal to hard rock, I feel like they stayed truer to the. Uh, I feel they stayed truer to the thrash, to the metal, rather than Metallica, who just, like, after, you know, load, they're like, fuck it, we're going to cut our hair, wear, like, fur coats, and smoke cigars on the album cover, because fuck you, that's why. I feel like it took Megadeth until Risk, really. Risk had nothing really metal on. But everything else was had something, like, as we'll get the cryptic writings, the Disintegrators sounds like it could have come off you know, countdown, something that's kind of thrashier, more heavy metal. It's very it's very hard for me to really say anything beyond really risk is, is a bad album. There is no such thing as a bad album for Megadeth for me. And that is why I picked them above the rest. Now Metallica Metallica they they hold a spot as like, you know, as the band because they're the they the mainstream band 
arguably. They're the band that a lot of people know, and it has gotten a lot of people into music, or, or just metal in general. They they have that spot now. You can hate hate them, love them all you want, but their first four albums are far and none some of the best you'll find. After that, you know, your rap mileage may vary. But they, they have that nice, like, entrance. There, there's something there's something to them. Like, you know, you're not a metalhead until you at least listen to those four albums. And you can come up with an opinion, you know, what you like or not, but you can say you did. And from those albums, you will find something that you like. Slayer, like I said, quality, pure and simple. They're pretty much, their uh, consistency's great. Their quality's pretty good. And if you want thrash, there's thrash right there. As you said, they're the best thrash fans ever. I kind of argued maybe there's some other contenders, and you were like, nope, 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 shut up, nope. Now, Anthrax, Anthrax gets kind of a, they get kind of a raw deal, because Anthrax, like, they were popular in the 80s, but a lot of people don't feel that their 90s stuff really holds up now, because I know that's your favorite part. Personally, I prefer their 80s stuff. But I do believe they should be in the big four, which a lot of people don't, because they don't feel they're as big as the other three bands, which... You can argue they're not, but it keeps saying they're behind the music. There's a reason. <laughs> There's a big reason why. Yeah, there is. Like they, they, they are the bad luck Brian of heavy metal. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit now about. Um, and we'll get, and then we'll get into killing as my business. And uh, as I mentioned, business is good. Metallica came out around 1981, and uh, people may or may not know this, but Dave Mustaine originally was in Metallica. But because he was a broken individual who was prone to uh, fits of rage, um, yeah, he was, outburst. <laughs> yeah, he was what we—he was what we in the field of mental health called mood disordered, um, yeah. and that was amplified by his uh, drug and alcohol abuse. So after getting into multiple physical altercations with people in the band, they finally threw him off the bus and said lots of luck. And oh, oh, no. Oh, oh, they didn't throw him off the bus. Oh, no. Oh, oh, you know what they did? You know what they did? They were in, uh, I think, Jersey to record uh, Kill em All. They had, uh, what was it? I think they had uh, James. No, they, was it James or Lars? They had either James or Lars. That was James. No, Lars. Okay, it was Lars. It was Lars. Okay. Well, basically, one of them handed him a great, woke him up, in the morning, gave him a Greyhound ticket and said, you're out. Yep. <laughs> so he had to stew on the bus the entire so, time. So long and thanks for all the fish, Dave. <laughs> that, oh, that has to suck, too, you know, right before the you're about to record. Oh, well, that's okay. Yeah. Well, that, the point that I was getting to was this, and this, <laughs> inform, this may inform people somewhat why I've always had preferential um, treatment of Metallica to Megadeth. And it's not fair. But this is defi- this is a subjective. I mean, all opinions are all opinions are subjective. But this is very very subjective. And I would and I would assume that anyone listening to this is going to type me an angry letter. But just hear me out on this. Metallica, I think people can agree, was pretty original. Um, one of the big four, thrash. You know, thrash in and of itself was a new genre of metal when these bands were starting to form in the er- in the late seventies, early eighties. So think think of this, right? They throw Dave Mustaine off the bus, and they say, go home, Dave. And he goes home, and he hatches what could only be described as 
a arch villain's plan for taking over the world and getting revenge. I mean, this is almost the plot of a movie. He goes home yeah. and says, I'm angry that Metallica fired me, that these bullies threw me out of the band unfairly. I'm going to form my own band, and I'm going to take my revenge by being the bigger band, the best band. I'm going to conquer Metallica and then the world. And then he strokes a yeah. cat. Okay, so yeah. that's it. So, so wait, hang on. So that's the genesis of Megadeth, basically. It's this guy being angry at his former band. And it, they talk about this a lot in the VH1 Behind the Music special uh, for Megadeth, where he's in, like, direct competition with Metallica. And they mirror each other. Uh, mm-hmm. Megadeth puts out Killing Is My Business and Business... Oh, sorry. Metallica puts out Kill Em All. They put out Killing Is My Business. They hit number two with uh, – what the hell is the name of the uh, record? Countdown uh, to Extinction. Thank you. Countdown to Extinction. Metallica hits number one with the fucking Black Album. You know, I could see why Dave, uh, other than the fact that he had a horrible upbringing, you know, and he had all of these yeah. problems. I can then also see why he nearly killed himself with drugs and alcohol. When, you know, you when your major motivation in life is to conquer this entity that bets you at every turn – your only other option is to bring down, you know, Doomsday <laughs> to kill Superman. You know, something, you know, unleash the Hulk, something. You, you got to figure something out. I think eventually Dave Mustaine finally got away from um, having to compete with Metallica and, and did his own thing. But the point that I was getting to was Metallica, uh, Megadeth always felt to me like they were trying to be a better Metallica instead of being the best Megadeth which I know is not fair because they don't necessarily sound all that alike. Um, yes, no. it's thrash, but there's mu- there's a lot of musical difference there. So I think a lot of my opinion of them is just um, clouded by the politics behind both bands. I'll let you respond to that, and then we'll get into the first album. Yeah, it is definitely true. He, he, he wanted to, his actual words, I think, were, I want to be heavier, I want to be faster than them, I want to beat them. And... While we all know he never did it, I honestly think that that determination was both a hindrance and and a real good motivation because I'm sure with all the bullshit he went through with drugs and stuff, I'm sure that hatred, just pure hatred of you know Lars and the boys, pr- probably pushed him quite a bit. Though so it did kind of make a few problems with you know with, with some of the songs. Like they do, they do sound similar at the beginning. I think they do. But honestly, I think Megadeth was more speed-oriented than Metallica, who definitely relied more on melody once you got past Kill Em All. And right. Another, yeah, the, uh, and another thing I think that really does go in their favor is the fact that, look at Metallica, they've had like a lot of albums, but Megadeth have like released a lot more. <laughs> like just, I, just saw, like, I want to say Megadeth head. put out more albums early on. And more consistently than Metallica did, though I'm sure you know. I, I think they started Metallica started to catch up in the '90s. They put Load and Reload out in succession, and then it's then it, I don't know. It's, it's hard to keep track when you start throwing in covers albums and uh, um, well, lot, and then albums with an orchestra, that sort of thing. Well, let's see. '80s uh, Metallica had four. Megadeth uh, had three. And then uh, 90s, if you count Rest in, P- Rest in Peace goes there, that's five albums in the 90s. Uh, Metallica had three. And then uh, the new 
millennium, the uh, the what other people call the aughts, sometime in the two thousands. Um, let's see, Metallica put out two, Megadeth put out uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, I think, right? Is it four? I think it's four. And Megadeth have now are about to put out uh, make it two in this decade. So I think it, they have put out a lot more, which I. Feel like I feel like that might be another reason why I do like them. It's because they because they release so much, and I really don't feel like the quality is gone. I don't feel like they I don't feel like they have a fear of the dark besides risk. Risk doesn't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, nope. like I said, I love I love Megadeth, and as I'm, I'm hoping this doing this podcast will maybe change your mind a little. Maybe a well, little. Well, I will tell you that I'm much I'm much more fond of Megadeth now than I was before the podcast started. Though when we get to so far, so good. So what? Um, I'm going to do a little bit of complaining. But, uh, but uh, we start strong here. I, no, it isn't. Um, I, but we start strong, though. Um, you know, I'm gonna, we're going to walk away from the comparisons to Metallica. This is, this is the podcast about Megadeth, so we're going to focus on Megadeth. And Megadeth's first album uh, on Capitol Records goes all the way back to uh, 1980. Capital. Yeah, it was on Capitol Records. Oh, I thought it was Combat. Combat. Is it Combat? <laughs> one, one. Uh, so it's Combat. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's, it is Combat. They were on a little label that was just starting up called Combat. Funny story about that, as a matter of fact. I was Again, I was watching the behind the music, and they were saying that the album cover was not what was intended. It was uh, supposed to oh, feature no. a... A uh, picture of Vic Rattlesnake, who is the who is the Eddie of the Metallica world. It's, it was their their uh, logo, their mascot, um, which is the you, skull you with the rattlehead. 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 You said rattlehead. Sorry, you said rattlesnake. <laughs> uh, Vic Steve Austin, <laughs> and um, <laughs> sorry, yeah, Vic Rattlehead, and um, they lost the artwork. So they had quickly threw together the, the the one that we all know now, which is the skull with the hooks on it. And it's funny the the, the description of it by Dave Mustaine, uh, feeling ripped off, was, was quite was quite amusing. But this is the title track from the 1985 debut, "Killing Is My Business," and as we all know, business is good.
Fade doesn't work on my studio right now, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, but that's all right. Killing is my business, and business is good. You don't get much more in the vein of classic thrash than that. And I actually, you know, it, young Dave Mustaine's voice, I can appreciate actually more than young James Hetfield. I, I made the joke earlier about how Dave Mustaine sounds like one of the uh, Swedes from Family Guy who, you know, I feel like he's struggling with English. Um, I, I made the, I've made the same crack about young James Hetfield. There's a there's concert footage of um, Hetfield pulling out the uh, re- the album of the LP of uh, Kill 'Em All, and he was like, "Look what I found," you know, and he's just so awkward. Um, I actually prefer Young Dave Mustaine's vocals on this album than I prefer than I do Young James Hetfield. I think as they get older, I like I like James Hetfield's singing style, but um, yeah, I mean. You know, if, if, I'll tell you what. If you want to, if you want to find a reason for my my softening on Megadeth, blame Austrian Death Machine. Because that's all I hear now when I hear these songs, and I'm like, yeah, this is really is a good song. I don't know why I t- it took me till I'm 37 to figure out that Megadeth played some awesome stuff back in the day. Just just just. I wasn't around well, back in the day. I didn't have a chance. Well, hang on. My wife want my wife just butted in the podcast and let me know that I am not yet 37. Oh, you're, oh, yeah, you're not. That's right. You're 36. That's still like two feet straight to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this, came, this song came out when I was, I think, nine years old, and and you were not yet a twinkle in anyone's eye. Yeah. No, no, no personally, I think I'm, I, I find Dave Mustaine's voice to have aged a lot better than Hatfield. Because, like, Hatfield, he got, his voice got shot after, you know, I'm sure you know the story about uh, how his voice basically went to tatters. He blew his voice <laughs> out during the black, on the Black Album tour, and, because he didn't warm up or anything, so he just, you know, basically sang until his throat couldn't handle it, so now that's why every time he sings, it always ends with an ah. Because he's got a, yeah. uh, he's got a hairball? Yes, he's got a hairball. Yeah, everything's like ah, and he looks like and he used to look like the cowardly lion. I mean, I don't know. I find I do find Dave Mustang and James Hetfield. I find their vocals to be kind of hard to compare, really. Kind of like Why? Megadeth and Metallica when you think about it. At least when you look at them musically, they're not the same band. Kind of like those two aren't really the same type of singer. Because I feel like more like Dave Mustaine is snarling at you the whole time, and he never really stopped until he hit a ballad. <laughs> I would say that actually, if you want to make a apt, more apt comparison, you could compare Dave Mustaine's high-pitched, thrashy singing vocals to that of Overkill. Especially yeah, probably Overkill. Uh, well, you know, he actually almost lost his voice because of that too. He wasn't doing it right. He had to uh, no. learn how to actually. He had to sing, learn how. Uh, Bobby Blitz actually had to learn a different style, which is probably why he sounds a little different later. He had to learn to sing in a different style because the way he was doing it, it's kind of like, you know, how people, like, when they do the screams and the growls, like, if you're not doing it right, you will tear your throat to shreds. Like, there's a certain way to do it, and he was not doing it right. Probably because he's using, like, the top of his like the top of his throat where, like, his voice box is, which is what you don't do when you're screaming and growling and stuff because that will tear your voice box to shreds unless you're my, a fish or... My ex-girlfriend, Corinne, Told me a story where she actually shredded her vocal cords, belting out "Eternal Flame." 
awesome. Just like the guy from Cinderella. <laughs> He's had to get like two throat surgeries. Did he really? Yeah, because I, he kept blowing his he kept blowing his throat his voice out, so he'd just get it repaired and go back on the road. <laughs> I um <laughs> That's funny. I, I don't remember what it was I was about to say. So why don't we go ahead and go to the now, as people have heard our career retrospectives before, what we do is we'll play a song or two that we both like from an album, so it gives us ample opportunity to talk about that album uh, and individually those songs. So we're going to go ahead and play Robert's song. This is uh, after the aforementioned mascot from Megadeth. This is Rattlehead, not Rattlesnake. That's Steve Austin. <laughs> any day of the week. Yeah, actually, I really would. I think this is Megadeth's, like, signature. Not, not quite signature. or like, I guess signature in the way that this is, like, Megadeth's. It has their namesake in it. It has their mascot's name on it. It's pretty much, like, if you're like, this is Megadeth, at least early Megadeth, bam, there you go. I think that now, it, it does hold up Now, why well. did you pick Rattlehead and not Mechanics? Because as I was doing my Megadeth research this week, I saw that Mechanics has been a staple of their live show since the very, very, very first album. But it's not one that really stood out to me. That's why I didn't pick it. I, I wouldn't pick it over Killing is My Business, and business is good. But uh, you you had an opportunity to do so, and you did not. Why, Robert Cooper? Why? Mechanics is a good song, but I think it gets hampered by the fact that really when I hear that, it's the Four Horsemen, because okay. they kind of sort of did take that without his permission, really. Because he, he told he, them when he... Go ahead. Hmm? Uh, go ahead. But what I, but what I know, uh, like the songs that ended up on the Metallica album that he co-wrote, he was very pissed about because he was like, oh, okay, guys, if you kick me out, you can't use my songs, which I'm pretty sure uh, Mechanics, or Four Horsemen as it became, I'm pretty sure Mechanics was one that he wrote in, uh, I think I read it was when he was in Panic. So that's a song he's had a while, for a while, which, you know, it, it is a really good song. I really like it. But I felt Rattlehead, when you look at this is killing is my business, Rattlehead is what does it. It's fast, so is a blistering. Dave Mustaine's at the top of his singing prowess. And it's just an overall great song. While Mechanic's still a great song, I feel like it, it, it has to be compared just because, really, it's the same song. 
according to um, according to apologists and historians from Metallica, Dave Mustaine said no such thing. And considering he was drunk and angry most of the time, he, you know, as I tell people, um, I don't understand why we're listening to what crazy people have to say. They're crazy. So <laughs> Dave Mustaine may have said all kinds of things, but how could you possibly understand or pay attention to him? He was drunk and nuts. Well, I mean, then it just becomes a he said, she said, really. Like, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't really care if they took his songs. I just got excited when I saw Dave Mustaine's name on the liner, on the uh, credits for like Call of Cthulhu and Ride the Lightning because those are you know, great fucking songs, and I had no idea he wrote those. I knew he wrote uh, or had co wrote Four Horsemen and I think Hit the Lights, but I didn't know about like Phantom Lord and uh, was it Motor, Motor Press the other one? I can't remember the fourth one. Dave Mustaine definitely definitely has a Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, um, dude from the Doors, Jim Morrison thing going on where he's a very you know Kurt Cobain he's a very tortured individual, um, and it comes out in his music. It's it's pretty impressive. Uh, it's it's also a damn wonder he's not dead, considering oh, yeah. the amount of drugs and alcohol he was ingesting. You know, I have a line that I say with uh, some of the inmates when I say, you know, what is your number one drug of choice? And they go, I do all of them. And I'm like, well, I put all the drugs out on the table. You can only have one. Which one do you grab? I have a funny feeling that if I've ever asked Dave Mustaine that question, he'd like, well, if I can only if I can only have one, I'd just pick up the table and open my mouth. That sounds like Ozzy. <laughs> no, Ozzy no, snorted the line of ants. End of discussion. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Oh hell, at least Dave Mustaine's now clean. I wish we could say that for Ozzy. <sighs> Make me sad, Ozzy. I was afraid you broke my heart. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is. It is quite impressive though how how you know Dave is. Even though some things he says I don't agree with, it is really amazing how the fact that he went from I'm angry Dave Mustaine, like I'm Dave Mustaine, to you know pretty you know respectable normal guy. On that, for the first out six albums he doesn't. So let's let's stay focused. So a year later, <laughs> a year later, we finally get uh, proper artwork on their second album, Peace oh. Cell. But who's buying? Which is love that going, album cover. Yeah, going back, had had I had a proper um, childhood where I grew up among white kids, I probably would have loved this album when it came out. You know, as it is, I'm discovering it as an almost forty year old. So uh, let's go ahead and sad, Mark. I know. I know. Sad. I don't know. Well, I, I go up listening to boy bands. By the way, I love the fact that you refer to me on other people's podcasts as old man rattledge. I think that's hysterical. <laughs> well, I, well, actually, I, re- I refer to you as the mandated reporter, and quite frankly, he's mortified. <laughs> I've heard you say that too. But, but the, yeah, but, uh, I, I do refer to you as, you know, I did this podcast with this guy who's like almost 30. He's like 37, and he's from New York. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> <laughs> All right. As I mentioned to a deputy that I was talking to today, peace sells, but uh, who's buying? This is MTV News. Just kidding. Yeah, I was about to make that joke.
You know, I'm sitting here, and, and the mark of a good song is when you've heard it a million times, and yet you still find yourself headbanging at the desk while you're listening to it. I mean, oh, yeah. what a great song that is. And, and let me say this one other thing before you break in with your analysis. <laughs> I love this song. Do not take this as I'm um, unappreciative of the song or that I don't like it or that I'm, I'm making fun of it. I, I am making fun of it to an extent. But it's one of those yeah. – it's not a so bad it's good. It's more of I – it's just so quirky. First of all, he's not singing, okay? He's, yeah, well, he's what do you mean? mean? I don't, yeah, what do you mean? mean? I don't believe in God. I love that. Dude, I'm, was, I'm in the car. <laughs> so you know where I'm going with this. I'm in the car. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not as familiar with Megadeth um, as, as as you are. So, I mean, a lot of this I'm hearing for like the first time, or, or I've like heard bits and pieces of it, hence the MTV News joke. Um, yeah. But this is the first time I've really gotten my gotten down and dirty and said, okay, I'm going to listen to these albums straight through. And I'm in the car, and I and I and I put that on, and the first thing is, what do you mean? I don't believe in God. I talk to him every day. I'm like, <laughs> like I'm trying not to drive off the road. <laughs> there's, there's there's a certain cheese to it, but at the same time, he just, sounds just, awkward. He just he it, sounds it like it sounds really funny. It, it, I mean, I, here, here's my it. comment about this. Hang on. Here's my comment about this. If the guys from um, the Big Bang Theory actually formed a thrash metal band, that's what that would sound like. Oh, God. <laughs> Penny, what do you mean I don't love you? I mean, it's just, yeah, God, that's all I can think of. Leonard is Dave Mustaine. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I have not watched much Big Bang Theory. Well, for the people that watch it, that and listen to Megadeth, I thought that was really the really well, funny I know, funny I know what you're talking about. Podcast. All right, but you, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like me, me and my buddy Nick, we always make fun of we make fun of this song and we make fun of sweating bullets because we'll have that later because he's like, "Hello, me, me, the real me," like that, like that. And there's a song on uh, World Needs a Hero where he does something like that too, "Dreading the Future's of Mine," where he's just kind of talking. Mm-hmm. He, he's just doing I'm Dave Mustaine. And this is what I sound like, you know, just kind of like that really nasally kind of dorky right. thing, but it's like, it's so cool. I, I don't want to say it's cool, but I, I just can't call it's it very cool. Different. I just can't say anything bad. Well, listen, <laughs> I can't say anything it, bad it, about it. It is extremely you different. You know, I can't point to much else in the world of music and go, hey, that's like that. You're absolutely right. Peace Delta, who's buying Sweating Bones, have the novelty of. I think being very, very different and therefore memorable. Both, I mean, the songs themselves sound great and can get past the overall nerdy awkwardness of the vocals. Um, but by the same token, they're also hilarious in a yeah. making in, in a just making fun of how awkward it sounds. It's like I love it so much, and that's why I make fun of it. Like, like when he doesn't lie, if he doesn't do that, that he just he's like, "What do you mean I don't believe in God?" <laughs> he, he's just like, like kind of talking regularly. It's, uh... <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean, Batman? <laughs> I am God. <laughs> do oh, no, no, do the actual line as Bane. <laughs> I am God. <laughs> Hold on, let me get the cup. <laughs> what do you mean I do not believe in God? 
I talk to him every day. <laughs> uh, I could I could listen to that all night long. <laughs> uh, I, should, uh, I should I want to do it to Kevin one night, but Kevin will probably start drinking more than when me and Fletcher start talking about Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Why don't you talk to us? Um, well, here let's go ahead and play uh, your next. And then I'll just cover the whole album. <laughs> Yeah, and then, and then just kind of go from there. This uh, is Robert's pick. This is Devil's Island. about Devil's Island, Mr. Robert Cooper? What is so special about it? I honestly think it is the best track on the album. It's like one of those, like, you know, Beat Cells is the best known, but that's the best track, at least in my opinion. I love I love the fact that it, it comes in with such a nice thrashy intro with the guitar on and the little bass. And the song itself, like, it has kind of anthemic quality to it. Like, you can just go, Devil's Island! It's like, you can just keep doing that, and it's so much fun. It's a fun song. It's a fast song. It's great. It's classic Megadeth. I just, I adore it. It's, it is one of of my favorite Megadeth songs. Like, as soon as you're like, okay, when I asked you, I'm like, okay, what'd you pick? And then you told me, I'm like, okay, I know what I'm picking. (laughs) The only album I had trouble with was Countdown. So I was like, well, you know, I like all these songs. I don't know which one I do, which one I think represents the album the best. Devil's Island sounds like it should be in a Tony Hawk game. For those of you that don't know, Tony Hawk is a professional skateboarder, and so there's a series of professional skateboarding video games. I think Angry Again might have been in one of them. I'm not quite sure. Like that, that game is a killer fucking soundtracks. But, yes, it did. Uh, Tony Hawk Four had uh, Eddie from Iron Maiden, and had an Iron Maiden board, and Run to the Hills was in it. And then the other ones had like uh, Mastodon and I think the uh, Project Eight, which I never played. It was just not very good, but I heard it had Immortal and Ever Crisis. Yes, it had it a did. really good, very good soundtrack. It did. But uh, 
this this album, I feel like the last album, like it was kind of the basis of Megadeth, but like there's some songs like uh, Chosen One that I was listening to, and I'm like, you know, this really feels a lot like a Motorhead song. Had a real Motorhead vibe to it. There's a lot of it just kind of, it felt like a, it was Megadeth, but I could still hear influences. This album, I feel like, stands on it, you know, well on the feet of this is Megadeth. Like, songs like Devil's Island, The Conjuring, which I almost picked. That song is awesome, but Dave Mustaine won't play it anymore. One of the things that should be noted about Megadeth is, as we as we talked about, the the whole genesis of Megadeth is that it's it's the evil... Uh, project of Dave Mustaine after he shunned by his br- brothers in Metallica. So you have this first album that is just anger, you know, and it really comes throughout on um, "Killing Is My Business." But there's a even political... if the production is bad, <laughs> even if the production, even if the production is bad. doesn't show it. The production's awful awesome um, on that album, but that's because they snorted away all the money. Well, that's the thing. They've re- they've now remastered it enough times that you could hear you know a crisp copy oh, yeah. of it. But um, you'll never hear the, uh, these boots cover. <laughs> it's all over YouTube. You can find it if you want. It's also on Spotify. Um, yeah. But what I was going to say is what I think people don't uh, realize about Dave Mustaine is when you when you take away all the dysfunction and the anger, there's still a, a punk rock ethos come um, political thought expert in there. Okay, what the hell did I just say? Another Yet another <laughs> angry punker who you know likes to think he knows a lot about politics, and maybe at this point in his life he does, but certainly at the time, he was just an angry kid. He was an angry kid who yeah. looked around him and said, hey, the government is fucked, as I see one said. So, and that comes out on Peace Sells or Who's Buying. There's, you know, in, in, mixed with all this angst and um, testosterone and uh, drug-addled <laughs> rage, is a political element, and that you hear that throughout uh, Peace Sells, but who's buying? And and and, yeah, it, and it's got it. It definitely gives the album a bit of a charm. Yeah, it's it feels like the first album was like it felt like it was polished up, and they actually sat down and you know kind of thought about it. Like this album does, I think, a lot better than what the last album did. Like the last album had some really good moments, like looking down the cross, even if it tried too hard to be spooky with a ooh. It still, it was still, it still got the feeling right. It had a lot of good intros, but this album, I feel like, really, really worked on that technical, like that really good technical intro that grabs you in and just brings you to the rest of the song. Now, actually, funny thing, there's one song on this album I really had not paid any attention to until I was listening to it, which is Bad Omen, and I'm sitting listening to it. And I'm like, I walk into the kitchen. My mom's talking to me. I just stop and go. How the fuck have I not listened to this song more? And she goes, "What the hell are you talking about?" I'm like, "I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm talking out loud. This song is amazing. Why haven't I heard it that much before?" Like That's every the song fun... on here, it's great. <laughs> That's one of the fun things about doing these career retrospectives is that it forces you to sit down and listen to the deep cuts. Um, moving on to 1988, uh, third album into Megadeth's career is uh, so far so good. So what? Playing off that the, the sort of um, juxtaposition of statements where you know killing is my business, so business is good. He sells, is buying. So far, so good. So what? And sorry, Robert, uh, I don't care what you say. <laughs> this was by far the weakest of their first six albums, in my opinion. I struggled. I struggled. I struggled. Really? To, I, my opinion. 
I struggled I, <laughs> to find a track that I actually really, really liked. And oh, I mean, I really? listened to this Not is actually the one intro? that I, this is this is the one that I actually listened to the most because I had to listen to it multiple times to find one track on here that I thought was any good. And I you know, you just I, in my darkest hour. Nope, that's a huge hit. Really, you didn't like that song at all? I just it just felt nothing stood out to me. This was the most. Uh, this to me felt the most blah, most cookie cutter, most more of the same. Um, you know, it, it, this was the girls, girls, girls to me of uh, Megadeth. Just an album they threw out there. I mean, you're welcome. To, you're welcome to think it. I still love. I still love Into the Lungs of Hell. I still can't believe you don't. You didn't at least like that. It was awful. Eh. Just shreddy, shreddy, shreddy. But I did find one song, and again, just because I thought the the beginning of it and, and certain parts were hilarious to me. This is five oh two. If that song's not in a Fast and the Furious, it really should be. Now, I've I've made my statement. I really have nothing more to say about this. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell you why you're wrong. Well, I will admit, before I did, I got this album from a pawn shop for a dollar. You know, yeah. that's a pretty damn good deal. Oh, yeah, I got uh, five CDs for a dollar, for five dollars uh, $5 from a pawn shop. I got that. Uh, Iron Maiden's X Factor, Dream Theater Images and Words, uh, Queensryche Empire, and something else. Anyways, anyways. Yeah, I got that album. I was really like, you know, this album. I was like, okay, like in in my darkest hour, I still can't believe you didn't like that song. Really, I didn't pick it because I thought you would. And then when you didn't pick it, I'm like, oh well, might as well go with the deep cut. But like in my darkest hour is like huge. It's a really popular song. They they I think they've played it every every tour since since it's come out. It's a really really emotional song. I'm pretty sure he wrote it. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the story goes he wrote it after Cliff, he found out Cliff Burton died, and he wrote. That song basically kind of in memory of him. I love I love that song. The intro, the two, the intro, "Into Lungs of Hell," is so much better on the remaster. But that and "Set the World of Fire," I love. They're just really great. There's great Megadeth songs. Just great thrash. Now I'll admit there are some songs like "Mary Jane." I really do. I like the song now that I've sat down and listened to it a few times. But you know, first listening, I'm like, eh. But I do have the. If you've ever seen the single cover for Mary Jane, it's like Vic Rattlehead, just like, just like basically kneeling, like with his arm out in front of a grave that says Mary Jane, and I'm like, that's a fucking awesome album cover. <laughs> I'm gonna get that, and it's cool because I got the one from the '80s, and it wasn't cheap, but I got the one from the '80s because it's in full color. Like the new ones are black and white, but that was good. Hook and Mouth is a little. Hook and Mouth is one of those songs that's kind of hard to... It's a little aimless in the lyrics, but 
what it does hammer down really well is an anti-PMRC song. I, I enjoyed that, even though I wasn't around for the PMRC. I you really, I really like that app. <laughs> Tipper Gore. And then Dee Snyder coming and telling her she's an idiot. And then Frank Zappa getting an instrumental album with a PA, with a PA sticker because he stood against them. Yeah. PMRC can suck my anus. Oh, please. I mean, I, we, we, look, we live yeah. in an age where if you just have to turn on your computer, you can see people having sex with animals. I don't want to hear it anymore. Oh, well, I, I can see it. Oh, okay, I was about to say, I'm like, I don't know I don't know whose computer we're going on here, but okay. <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying that political groups stickering albums no longer has quite the effect when no one's buying albums anymore. Oh, yeah, that's true. Me and the, uh, me and the PR guy... Where uh, he gave me uh he gave me the new Dark Throne album. He sent me an actual copy, which was, you know, fucking fucking awesome as I talked about last time. We actually discussed uh how uh, the internet has uh kind of ruined has has both ruined some aspects of music but also made others better. But anyways, I like like this album I can see why you don't like it. It does it it it's bookmarked in between two all time metal classics. And while I think it is a great album, if you don't, I, I do understand, but I feel that it's it's a very, very good album. I, mean, I feel every album up to risk is good. Let's go ahead and play yeah. your track here. This is called Liar. Stopping them like that, but you know, third part, third party software. Hashtag Block Talk Radio. Um, all right. So why that one in particular? Yeah, that I love the intro to it. It's got a really nice kind of hooky intro to it. And actually, like it's that it actually really lets me talk about what happened in the band as well. But I really do, I really do enjoy that song. It's if you uh, let's do it again. It's really comedic when he starts going through all the uh, diseases this woman has. It's pretty great, all the diseases and bullshit. Actually, he wrote this song in a in vicious tribute to uh, Chris Poland, the uh, their former guitarist, because uh, Chris Poland and Gar Samuelson, the drummer and guitarist, basically got too much for Dave Mustaine to handle with drugs. So he had he gave them the boot. And actually, well, sadly, Gar Samuelson passed away years ago. But Chris Poland uh, denies a lot of the stuff Dave put in his book, and I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't see why he wouldn't. But yeah, that uh, that. 
that was kind of funny. And then what happened, the guy they replaced him with, they originally hired a guy, but the guy wasn't that good. And they ended up hiring his guitar teacher, <laughs> Jeff Young. They, yeah, they hired him for this album, and he did a great, damn good job. And before we, I guess before we do go into Rust in Peace, there's something I did say I wanted to do when we started this. Now, as I said, they hired Jeff Young, but he was only there for one album. So they held auditions for a new guitarist. And, you know, most of the time, they, they find their guy pretty quick. But, oh, no, not this time. This time, <laughs> they managed to get, like, every fucking guitarist that you can, you can think of. Now, I'm going to get Wikipedia to work. And I'll tell you, like, the, the one that actually surprised me the most was Dimebag Daryl auditioned. And he got really? the part. Yeah, Dimebag auditioned, and he got the part, but he said he wouldn't go without Vinny. And Dave just, he just hired Nick Menza on drums. So, you know, you just hired a guy. You can't kick him out. <laughs> so, you know, Vinny, uh, he would, Dime wouldn't go without Vinny, so they uh, told Dimebag, no. Now, let's see, who else? Let's see, who else did they get? Yes, they uh, auditioned Lee Atlas of Heathen, uh, Eric Meyer of Dark Angel. Uh, let's see, oh, Slash. Slash is... Uh, was jamming with him quite a bit, but he chose to stay in a uh, GNR. Let's see who else. Uh, Chris Olivia. What? I said that was a dumb career move. Oh yeah, and Guns N' Roses aren't going anywhere. <laughs> oh well, they had one big album, then some other albums, and then they didn't make any more albums, and then we got Chinese Democracy. Anyways, uh, Chris Oliva. Uh, I never figured out how to say his last name. Got some Sabotage. You know Sabotage, don't you? I know the band. Yeah, he uh, he almost joined, but he uh, but he actually said no because uh, you know he's like, well, I gotta get back to my brother. So yeah, uh, Jeff Loomis of uh, Nevermore, and he was in Sanctuary. Jeff Loomis auditioned, but they had to uh, they had to say no because he was only sixteen. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that would have that would have never went well. And then finally, they uh, they they got the man, uh, Marty Friedman who was playing with Jason Becker. Poor Jason Becker. He has ALS. <laughs> Poor guy. But, uh, yeah, him and uh, Marty Friedman, they doing, did a band called Cacophony. I'm sure you've heard of them. They, uh, where it was pretty much just fretboard masturbation the entire time. Because, you know, they're both <laughs> were... Yeah, they're both, like, Marty's still a great guitarist, but, you know, Jason, you know, well, he can't really play. He can't really move, <laughs> sadly. Yeah, he's... Uh, yeah, those two were in a band, great band. And uh, he he got Marty Friedman, and you know that pretty much brings us into Rust and Peace, where Dave is sober. He's got a he's got David David Ellison still there. David Ellison never goes anywhere for a very long time. And then uh, you know he's got two new band members. And you know I'm hoping you like this album because I might have to kill you if you don't. <laughs> Which album are you talking about? Rust and Peace. <laughs> oh no no Rust and Peace is awesome. I would actually compare Rust and Peace. I feel like Rust and Peace was was uh, Megadeth's and Justice for All. It's the album before. It's the album where they start to drift slightly away from a pure thrash sound into something a little bit more mainstream. Um, it's commercially an extremely successful album, and it precedes the one that blew them up multi multi billion dollar platinum. And of course, oh, yeah. uh, Rust. Rust in Peace came out actually in 1990, and just just to compare, uh, and Justice for All came out in 1988, so there's a two-year difference between them. 
Um, and I, personally, I prefer this album. Like usually, well, like I think I did it on Three Beards. I I was like, okay, you know, first uh, hit the light or hit the lights. I kill them all, killing. I'm like, okay, maybe Metallica. And like Peace Cells, Ride the Lightning. I'm like I like Ride the Lightning more, but they're pretty even. I'm like Master versus so far so good. I'm like, okay, Master. Though I think Master is grossly overrated. But then again, I wasn't around at the time, so maybe that's oh. kind of like why I feel like Nirvana was not nearly as great as people say they are. But when you look at Rust, I feel Rust is a lot better than Injustice. And Injustice is a great album, but Rust is like the pinnacle of metal, in my opinion. Are, are you telling me that, that Nirvana isn't the greatest thing uh, since Slice Bread and Redefined Music? Because if you do, um, you can go do this podcast with my wife, who feels much the same way. That'll be gr- that would be hilarious, because I'll be like, hey, 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 hey Ms. Radlitz, what do you think? She'll be like, <laughs> and I'll be like, I'll be trying to get a hold of Nick, which I've been trying to get a hold of Nick for like three days because I wanted him to do this podcast, but he keeps like keeps texting me, but not texting me an answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get into Rust in Peace here with the uh, the first track on the album, which is of course my, my pick, favorite. and uh, one, really one of my all time um, favorite Megadeth songs. This is uh, let me get the whole whole uh, yeah, it really is. This is uh, it's a very powerful song. So let's go. Let's get into it. This it is, is Holy Wars, oh. the punishment due. read a little bit here. Oh. Sorry, I had to do that acoustic part. 
I want to read a little bit here from um, the Wikipedia page for Rust in Peace. The opening song, Holy Wars, The Punishment Due, finds its thematic inspiration derived from the Northern Ireland conflict in which the largely Catholic nationalist community were in conflict with the mainly Protestant loyalist community over the sovereignty of the six counties of Northern Ireland. Mustaine's feelings concerning religion, amongst other things, are outlined in the song. In an interview with the UK magazine guitarist, Mustaine says that he was inspired to write the song in Northern Ireland when he discovered bootlegged Megadeth t-shirts were on sale and was dissuaded from taking action to have them removed on the basis that they were part of fundraising activities for his quote-unquote, the cause. He liked how the cause sounded and unknowingly dedicated a performance of Anarchy in the UK to it, where the audience quickly yeah. started to riot. <laughs> Megadeth oh, yeah, he was... He was drunk, and he was like, this is for the cause. And then you know, the entire place broke into fucking hell. So there, there's only wars. <laughs> but um, it's, a, it's a really good example of how, I mean, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to hit you over the head with it. But I like, um, I think when people ask me, like, why do you prefer metal to rap in general? And it's, and it's because of stuff like this. It's because, you know, you with metal, there's an exploration of a variety of topics, not just, Bitches, drugs, and money, which I think is all rap seems to be about. So I like the idea that he, that he got some inspiration from a political issue and wrote an interesting song about it. And of course, that op- that whole like first minute and a half of the the dueling guitars and how powerful that is. I, I was listening to some live footage of it. It just doesn't come across as low as I played it on this podcast. But I mean, if you can go ahead and listen, you know, and just bump it with. Uh, with your speakers and not have to care about how loud it sounds. It's fucking incredible. And of course now it's a staple oh, yeah. of their live set. It's their encore song actually, because originally it was their intro. If I'm not mistaken, it was their intro, their intro song for the longest time. And then I think that is now a uh, trust, which is from cryptic writings. Great song. And, uh, actually it was really funny because, uh, you know, I've, you know, I've watched plenty of Megadeth live albums. So, uh, like when we get to uh, a later song, Hangar 18, there's a I'll, I'll tell this that story then, but there's a lot of stuff. Uh, like there's a lot of things that when you listen to a song live, you pick up the things when the crowds are doing, and they always do it. So, you know, me and my buddies were, you know, the, the concert's pretty much over except for the encore, and then me and like Nick and like two some other friends were like Sean Naga Death and our friend Thad, who's God bless Thad. Machine Head were playing, and Thad asked the people in front of him to sit down. And did oh they boy. let Freedom Ring with a shotgun blast? They didn't play Davidian. That pissed me off so much. That's my favorite Machine Head song, and that's the one they didn't play. That's everyone's favorite Machine Head song. Yeah, I was so pissed. <laughs> that's the song that got me into Machine Head. Yeah, but uh, no, they were standing because this was a uh, time when it was an amphitheater, so, you know, it's seated, but most people were standing. He's like, can you sit down? I went, Damn it, Dad! I'm not going to come to your rescue. But we're all chanting for Megadeth, and Dad does not know what's going on, so he's like, "We'll go to search chant too." But this song, it is so great live. Like, like uh, just cheap plug for like we did uh, this week's top five, which you should have taken part in. I'm telling you, if you loved it, it was top five opening tracks. And of course, this was number one because this is my favorite song of all time, off my favorite album of all time. <laughs> Of my second, from my second favorite band of all time. So pretty much, I was gushing everywhere. Yeah, we we did it in the top five. You should totally read it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this song, it's I just love it because there's so much to it. Like those dueling guitars at the beginning are great. You've got the Holy War section, and you've got that acoustic part that really breaks up the sections really well. 
and it, it really adds something just new. Like, that's why I like a lot of, like, folky, like we talked about with folk bands, because they bring so much to the table. Stuff like this really helps just, it just helps make the band just that much better. And then we get the punishment due section, which I, I'm sure you know what that's about. That's about the Punisher. Yeah, yeah it's, about the, it's about the Punisher, which sometimes, like, I'm listening to the song, I'm like, Holy Wars and the Punisher. Well, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Strife, but, in, and then you, strife in England between the Protestants and the Catholics. Marvel event, Marvel Vigilante. Fantastic. And then, then you hit my, probably one of my favorite sections of any song ever, the part after he, uh, the part in the punishment dealer is like no more mistakes, and then it goes you know that part, don't you? The part where it's just like everybody goes silent, and then you start with a solo. That is my favorite, favorite like thing. It's one of my favorite sections in all of music because it's just it's like it has such a build up, and you just want to go headbang so much, which I did, which bringing back, which tying that all that concert thing in together. I blew my love. I blew my wads, for better, lack of a better term, during Red Fang because this was you know Mayhem Fest. I was watching Red Fang front and stage, so I was air guitaring, head banging. I couldn't move my neck. I couldn't move my shoulders because once my neck went out, I threw my shoulders into it, and I was still like uh, recovering from being severely dehydrated after 95 degree weather and just throwing my body around for 30 minutes. So you know. I am just like huge headache. I'm feeling like shit, and then this song comes up. I'm like, fuck it. I am throwing everything I can. <laughs> it actually got so bad. Like I can't throw up because I was a bear. It's called a floppy sock. It's more more or less I can't throw up. So you know, once this is over, we don't want to care about uh, Godsmack. So we we wanted to be disturbed, but we had to sit through Godsmack, and none of us felt like doing that. So you know, we're going home. And I'm like, I'm trying to yak out my guts out of the seat. I'm like, I think I threw much too much in the holy wars, but it was all worth it. Like, you need to see, you need to see Megadeth live. You do, you should, especially after um, listening to their whole discography. I don't know. Maybe if they're still yeah. around when my kids old enough to go to Gigantor, we can uh, we can do that. I think I, I you <sighs> know Gigantor what? this year is not that good. No, but there's been years where it's been good, and there's been a lot of bands like on. I think I. My ex-wife and I um, actually had tickets to, to Gigantor, um, and I don't remember. She had a tendency to want to buy tickets and either not go or leave early, so I don't know if we actually made it to Megadeth. I think I saw. Uh, I think I may have really seen children. I think I may have seen Children of Bodom and then we left. <laughs> so, but that that's why we're not. That is a waste of time. That is why we are not like, married anymore. More, that's one of the many yeah, reasons. Yeah. Oh man, I mean, children, children, of Bodom are awesome. But fucking Megadeth. That's like that's the reason for the tour. That's gigantic yeah, their tour. Children of Bodom is like half the reason I'm going to Rockstar Mayhem this year. All right, let's get oh, into. I can't go. So I'm so I'm torn up. Avon and Martha, one of my five favorite bands, and I can't go because oh, they're not oh, coming man. to fucking North Carolina. Fuck you, Rockstar. I, I don't. Know. You need to take a road trip. But, well, see, the like I want to, but the guys I'd been planning road trips with, like, uh, you know, we just kind of stopped talking about it because we couldn't, we could never get a confirmation from anybody. I'm gonna call you. A, I'm gonna call you a fag with a ph. You don't need other people to do a road trip. You need transportation or a thumb. Well, that's, that's thumb. my problem. I don't. I don't own. I don't own a car, but I am. Hoping, I, might, I might be getting a job. So yeah. You know what you need but to do. I don't, you need to listen. To- 
You need to listen to the Freakonomics podcast about how people don't hitchhike anymore. You need to get then you need to get your thumb in the road and a little bat and a little kerchief on a stick, and you need to make your ass down here to Tampa or somewhere else to go see the show and go see it. Oh, a real music, see, Atlanta, a real music thing would make it happen. Oh, oh, I see where we're going here. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Uh, see, I, I like when I finally am done with college and have my own my own career and everything. I am going to go buck wild because Charlotte's only an hour, like an hour, hour and a half away. They get some killer shit. Like they're primordial. Well, hang on, they I don't want to hear it. When I I was in college and grad school, and I was still going to see two or three shows a week. A week. Well, yeah, but you could. I'm sure your parents were like, "Oh, go, go, market." But then again, you probably didn't tell them. But I'm stuck at home <laughs> with a mother who does not understand my music. No, the real so, like, reason told, was like, I lived. The real reason was I lived on Long Island with my parents in in both situations. So, and I worked in New York City. So it was little, to, to to go to a show from my office was to go outside my office and make a right. Oh, you lucky bastard. Yeah, my, my mom, like, she saw us, like, oh, yeah, because she asked me what I wanted for my birthday. I'm like, oh, you know, I really want this uh, Death Hoodie and uh, album. She goes, you like a band called Death? I'm like, they're my favorite band. She goes, I don't know how to feel about that. I'm kind of worried. I'm like, Death is your problem? Jesus Christ, I can't wait for you to hear Impaled Nazarene. <laughs> Hang on one second. Hanging, hanging. Mm-hmm. Don't know mm-hmm. where that came from. <laughs> uh, what? All of a sudden, oh, there was okay. sound to my computer in my ear, and I had to like shut down some windows. All right, um, oh. let's go to head, let's go to head to your track here. This is Tornado of Souls. Oh. Great. 
it's you look at a lot of the songs on this album, and it came between this and Hangar 18 and Rust in Peace but Irish. A lot of it is just so great. It's great thrash. There's not many bad songs on this album. That includes this one. This is one of the best thrash songs I've heard, which is ironic, considering it comes with the Holy Wars, which is the best metal song of all time. If you ask me, I'm vain. I'm done. <laughs> All right, I don't want to have no, to do that anymore. That's not I, I couldn't. It was really hard to try. That <laughs> shit is pain. But yeah, I, okay, I but, so uh, enjoy your your impression of pain. Here, real quick, um, and I'll, I'll let you get back to your thing here. But so I told the story earlier in the podcast about how uh, my ex girlfriend Corinne uh, blew out her voice, blood flying out of her mouth like she had been in a horror movie. That is metal. Um, yeah, that it really is. Unfortunately, it was also a Bengals song that she did it to. It was a uh, belting out why? eternal flame. Cause she's a girl. That's why. <laughs> so, uh, um, reminds me of the uh, drummer from uh, Deceased. Like they're a legendary underground death metal band. This mm-hmm. dude hates. Like he hated killing his my business. He hates an- everything that's not just full of metal from Anthrax. He pretty much hates Pantera because they're not. They never stay true to their glam, true to their roots, and they ignore it. And this dude. Like he he like an encyclopedia of eighties metal knowledge, and but he hates everything and drools over Gwen Stefani, the Go Go's, and the Bangles. Well, then he doesn't. His opinion is invalid. But real quick, it, um, I, so I told <laughs> I told the story of of Corinne blowing out her voice, blood and all. Um, when we were talking about like you know singers not protecting their voice boxes and everything and just belting and then destroying them. Um, so I put that on Facebook. So you just got to keep keep the podcast in everyone's mind, trying to get people to go ahead and listen to the podcast tonight. Um, I actually, because we're, you know, I'm friends with all my ex-girlfriends on Facebook. That's just what you do. Because, you know, totally. Um, and I said, and I, put, and I tagged her. I said, you know, Corinne, I just told your Eternal Flame story on the Megadeth podcast. And, you know, she wrote me back. And then separately from all of this, I don't want to explain the context of this. Let's just go ahead and say there's a friend. My wife's best friend I refer to as my wife. Like my nickname for her is wife because I'm fat and she brought me food. That's really all you need to know. So That's great. <laughs> on my wedding night. On my wedding yeah. night, okay? We're having a party at the house like after the wedding. And I'm just like, you know, I could use some munchies, right? I was not high. I was not even drunk. I was like, I could use some, something to eat right now because when you're at, if you ever get married, you'll find out you don't actually eat at your own wedding. So um, I'm like, I'm really hungry. And she like five seconds later, she's always, she shows up with like a, like a plate full of potato skins. From that point on, she was my wife. Um, <laughs> she's honorary wife. She is my honorary wife. So she calls up, you know, she calls, she calls me husband. I call her wife because we're from 19 fucking 20. Anyway, yeah. so my you're wife. Yeah. Um, so my honorary wife, we were taught, I was, I don't remember what the context of this was, but I basically said to her, I said, now you must understand in the, uh, cocktail that is metal. I remember the story. Slayer is the liquor. Megadeth is the mixer. And she thought that was the funniest thing she'd ever heard. Tears in her eyes, the whole nine yards. Well, I'm, I'm on Facebook as we're doing this podcast and I, I, see the thing about eternal flame and then she and then she comments on it she says now i don't remember is megadeth or slayer the mixer <laughs> i wrote her, i wrote her back and said you're now you're now getting mentioned on the podcast so hi wife 
Where was I? Oh, yeah, tornado of souls. <laughs> so yeah, just, just like uh, just like Holy Wars, this is another one that's like just great thrash song. But this is pretty much like one of the per- just perfect songs. Like the solos, they're just blistering. They're amazing. The intro is great. The intro is a lot of fun, and a lot of fun if you love the air guitar. Because I can't play a real guitar. The only guitar I have ever owned was a Chinese-made Washburn that had three strings and wasn't worth repairing. Thank you, uh, former Uncle Robbie. Thank you. But yeah, I mean, this is this is one of those like it's it's something. It was something special. Like every song on Rust in Peace, in my opinion, is great. Even like Dawn Patrol, which is Dawn Patrol's weird. Like I'm sure. Did you ever? Did you did you listen to every song off of uh, all the albums? I cannot tell a lie. I did not. Don't worry, I didn't do it with the clutch. But uh, <laughs> uh, then again, hell, no, I actually, I straight up told you. I'm like, yeah, I didn't, I couldn't do it. No, Don Patrol is just Dave Mustaine. He's like, he sounds like a British guy. That's just kind of like, he's like, uh, he's like, yeah. And it's there's no guitar. It is all bass. It's all bass and drum. And he's talking about just like it's almost like a post-apocalyptic thing about Don being on Don Patrol. But I mean. That's that's a great one. You need to listen to all of Rest in Peace. If you have not, you should do it. Poison Was the Cure is a great song. Uh, shit, what, what are the other ones? Uh, Poison Was the Cure, uh, Five Magics. Oh, my God. Five Magics is awesome because it's, it's mostly instrumental. And there's this section in the middle. He's just like, give me, how come me? And he starts listing the Five Magics, and it just keeps getting getting like heavier. And then it's just... Uh, it gets pure thrash heaven. She's so fast and so great. Okay. But yeah, let me so, hey, let cool. me uh, stop great. you right there for a second just to do some business here. We're uh, less than five minutes away from the live portion of our podcast, and I normally have two albums. And we still have two albums. Um, and normally Robert and I will start to close up shop, and we go a little bit over. Um, but tonight we're going to go way over because we still have two albums oh, yeah. to get through, and then plugs and the usual ishkabibble that we talk about at the end of every podcast. So let me just go ahead and say that we're going to play um, another song off of Rust in Peace very shortly. We're going to play uh, three songs off of uh, Countdown to Countdown. Extinction, and then we're going to end the night with Euthanasia. We're actually going to start killing people. No, um, we're going to end the night with the Metallica album, a Megadeth album, rather, Euthanasia. Ah. And then in... Um, you did it. And that in a couple of – I know. I, I suck. Uh, and then let me look at the calendar here really quick so I don't fuck this up. So today is the 28th when we're recording this. Um, the next time we would be doing a podcast would be – no, I'm, would be the 11th. Yeah, today's the 28th. Uh, the 4th is the next Scream podcast. The 11th, I'm away. Um, when I come back – we are I'm gonna on the eighteenth is actually gonna be um the Superman podcast because I want it to coincide with the release of Man of Steel. So we will finish Megadeth on the twenty fifth and then of June and then um on July ninth we will be reviewing the new Megadeth album. So uh it's gonna be a couple of weeks break in between uh it'll with be these podcasts. Yeah, it'll be it'll almost a month. But at least then you can listen to it while on vacation, and then your wife can yell at you for doing podcasting well, no, on I'm, vacation. Well, I was gonna say I'm allowed to listen to music while we're on vacation. I'm just not allowed to watch movies, apparently. So because I'm too. Well, hey, that's, that's perfect. I'm too anti-social. 
I'm supposed to. Uh, we're going with like two other couples and their children, and I'm supposed to actually talk to these people while we're on vacation. It's my vacation, god damn it! If I want to sit around the house and watch episodes of The Wire and 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 old Superman movies, so I can do a podcast on them, why the fuck won't anyone let me? I work hard. I want to walk around in my underwear for a week and damn it, you won't let me. You should do it anyways. Just walk around well, no, no, in they, your underwear. Well, no, they can't stop me. Um, that's that's besides the point. All right, so it's just like podcasting. So speaking of alien races, here's Anger 18. Tell me about Hangar 18. Why is it so great? Why is it so great? It, from the start to the finish, it is just pure energy. It's just driving, driving. It just keeps driving forward. And I really like I really like the Megadeth songs that are like this. The ones that have, like the lyrics are good, everything's solid, but it's really all about the guitars. Like those two just battling guitars the whole time is just so great. I, I, oh, I just adore it. Like I said, I, I know the song so well. I can whistle the... I can, hell, I can probably sing the entire guitar part. I know it that well. <laughs> like, Marty Friedman, Dave Mustaine, they just they play off each other so well, which is really something that I think a good Megadeth album is. It's really about the guitars. Like, 
Endgame. I don't have you ever listened to Endgame. It was from the uh, 09. Um, is that the one with Goldberg? No, 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 no. That's Risk. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is but the I'm one gonna go ahead and think. Uh, I, I again, it, it's better you not ask me if I've, heard, if I've listened to anything after Euthanasia because. Um, I may have and not remembered it, so I, you know, I'll know more once we get to that. Once we get to that podcast, you'd remember the Head Crusher video. It was like MMA inspired. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, that album. What made that album so so great? Like it's one of my favorite Megadeth albums of all time, is because the, uh, they brought in Chris Broderick, who used to uh, be a Jag Panzer, and he played with Nevermore some. Like those two, like he, Dave Mustaine needs a really good guitarist, and he really needs they really need to be highlighted to make the album great. And that's what this album does. That's what Endgame did. Which you know we'll get that to that, and when we get there, and it'll be just me gushing because that was the, my first Megadeth album that I heard right off the like you know right off the press. But this just like this song, it's really good. It's high energy. It's just pure. It's just pure greatness, and I do love that line about military and intelligence. Do line words combined that can't make sense? Oh, I just that line always makes me giggle because <laughs> it's really funny. Because my grandpa like jumped out of planes for a living, <laughs> so it's kind of ironic. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on to 1992s. Oh, I'm sorry. Is there anything else that you wanted to say about Rust in Peace? I just want—I just wanted to cover the the final track, which is the other song I gave you the choice of picking. Uh, Rust in Peace, Polaris, is a highly political song. Did you? you listen yes, to that it's one, about right? missiles. It's, it's, it's about yeah, it's about the Polaris missile. Yeah, it's about the Polaris missile. Uh, yeah, it's a really—it's a highly, highly uh, uh, political song, and it's another one of the uh, of showings of one of my favorite things in music is a great drum entrance, like you know, Painkiller that uh the one of the songs I picked for my top five. It's so great. And it also lead, lends to a really, really good album cover, my favorite album cover of all time actually, where I get to play I, I wasn't around then. Let's see if I can guess who the uh, world leaders are. <laughs> you ever notice like I think George Bush is there. I think uh fuck. Is it uh was it Gorbachev? Was it Gorbachev? I don't know. I don't know my Russians. But yeah, I was like, you know, all the world leaders are sitting around this alien with Vic Rattlehead and and the uh the, you know, the piece of green. I don't know. I'll just say it's kryptonite. But yeah, my favorite album cover of all time. My favorite album of all time. Actually, you know, it's funny. What my buddy Nick gave me a few Christmases ago that has never, like, left my head when it's cold. I have a Rust in Peace uh, toboggan. Or is it toboggan? <laughs> I don't know how you say it. Damn, everybody bitches at me about that. But yeah, I, I, grew up, I actually wear I said hmm? before I grew up in a black neighborhood, and, um, and, you know, when I started getting into heavy metal... And, you know, and I got to be among, among white kids. One of the first things that I noticed that kind of made me shy away from metal initially was a lot of the artwork, especially like Eddie from Iron Maiden and to a lesser extent, Vic Rattlesnake, because I was a pansy Ed. and they both scared the shit out of me. Vic Eddie really did. I hated Iron Maiden's artwork. I might have liked the music Ooh. had I gotten into it a little bit earlier, but I really hated the artwork. I hope it's changed. Oh, yeah, now I don't care. But oh, oh, I love their artwork. I love, Eddie's the coolest thing, and it's it's, it's Vic Rattlehead. I keep saying Vic Rattlesnake, don't I? Yeah, yes, and I'm like, Argh. yeah, yeah, I no, no, Vic Rattle and Hum doesn't bother me. Oh, you, that's cute. But yeah, uh, <laughs> actually, the the guy who did the art for the Peace Cells and Rust in Peace was Ed Repka, who 
you know, he's done a, he does a lot of metal album covers, and they always turn out great. Dude's a really talented artist. Jello Biafra once talked about um, how music was moving to a, to a digital format, and uh, and he was talking about Napster in one of his spoken word albums. If you don't know who Jello Biafra is, he was the former lead singer of um, extremely uh, political punk band, the Dead Kennedys, out of the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. And During he was their holiday about, in Cambodia. Yep, um, they wrote more than one song. <laughs> There's more to it than it holiday just- in Cambodia. This is a new car hero. In any case, the Jellaby offered during one of his many spoken word uh, tours was talking about how one of the things people used to buy uh, LPs for was for the artwork, and that seems to be lost now. And given some of the artwork that I see out there, which is basically a stock photograph of you know the, the band and you know just kind of all posing and wearing tight jeans, I can understand why some people just don't give a shit. But yeah, once upon a time, you know, in the '60s, '70s, and in the '80s, and less so in the '90s, um, artwork was a big part of the album experience, and that seems to be, uh, no pun intended, a lost art. Last words on uh, rest in peace. Pretty much, it is, in my opinion, a perfect album. There's not a track that's bad. There's not even a track that's not even great. Like all the tracks are great. They have a real cohesion to them. They, they feel like they should all be there, and they all kind of lead into one another. And it really shows that when Dave Mustang is clean and sober and fresh and everything, there's no stopping him. Like I, I think you'll agree. This is probably one of the better, one of the better, if not one of the best, the best thrash albums. I, don't know. I was going to say, and and this closes the book on it. This is the end yeah. of Metallica as a purely thrash band. That's why I said this is this is Megadeth's and Justice for All. And Justice for All was Metallica's last pure thrash album. They kind of went back to it with Death Magnetic, but that's a debate and a talk for another day. Um, Megadeth, I think, shut the door pretty firmly on being a pure thrash band. And from here on out, they're doing more of a hard rock, um, mainstream metal sound. And that worked because in 1992... Which, just to give you some idea of where I'm at with this, I think I was in like the tenth grade when this came out. <laughs> I was barely one year into one year, if that, into life. Probably not even because you know, I was born in December. So, <laughs> <laughs> this was feel old yet? Uh, yeah, um, no, I was. I always feel old, but I don't think look as being old is a good thing. It's one step closer to retirement and not having to put on pants. Now, listen. Um, <sighs> oh, yeah, I'm still in college. I don't wear pants half the time, anyways. So July, uh, July 6th, 1992, uh, Countdown to Extinction debuts in the U.S., and it's their best-selling album ever. It, achieved double, it eventually achieved double platinum status. Um, their hit singles were Symphony of Destruction, which we're going to hear shortly, Sweating Bullets, Hello! And, uh, Hello, me! <laughs> and Foreclosure of a Dream. Um, I would say this was... You gotta understand, it wasn't until high school that I started getting into metal in the first place. So, uh, I think at the time, yeah, I think at the time, I was buying anything that was that was coming out. I think I, I you know, anything that was metal because I was just discovering it. I bought, so I bought this album, and instantly fell in love with it, which would make sense because I also fell in love with Metallica because of the Black Album. Yep, I'm one of those people. I didn't know anything about Metallica before the Black Album. I had to go back and learn. Um, 
But it's uh, just... yeah, uh, hey, look, man, you you want to talk about EPMD, Run DMC, L Cool J, and Public Enemy? That was my shit till I till I got to high school. Um, Not really. Did mine I mention was, I grew up boy bands? Mine was I, boy uh, bands and like Switchfoot. Did I mention I grew up among black kids? And I was the only kid who knew who Ice T's thrash metal band uh, Body Count was when I went to Dude, the club body back count, in the day. Body Count are awesome. Yes, they were. Like, body yeah, Count in the house. Body Count. I don't even think there's a black kid that lives around me. Then again, that's North Carolina for you. Until you get into the cities. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm not commenting on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty true. <laughs> I'm sure it is. All right, so. Uh, so I mentioned how boy this guy podcast went off the rails quickly. Um, so I mentioned how this was their most commercially successful album, and you can't have you know. And part of the reason why is because, as I said, they had strayed from a purely thrash sound, uh, more of a traditional rock sound on this album, and you could absolutely hear it in one of the first singles off Countdown to Extinction, one of my favorite Megadeth songs. Symphony of Destruction. more to say about it. I mean, like I said, def- yeah, slower tempo, different singing style for Dave Mustaine, um, a more mature sound, and I actually appreciate it now more at 36, almost 37 than I did at uh, 14, 15 years old. Yeah, I, I've found that I've come to love, as as I've told you, I'm sure I've told multiple times, before I listened to like Candle Mass and stuff, I thought like doomy, slow stuff was just, you know, really boring. I wanted fast. You know, as I've gotten gotten older come to realize I know I make it sound like I'm I'm so old <laughs> you're like damn whippersnapper yeah like as I got older I came to really appreciate and really realize and you know you can do a lot with a, a different speed which I feel like this song this is like a really a perfect song to release like in comparison to the song they released for the new album which was two which was really felt like something off of like risk <laughs> something that felt way too commercialized too polished this this was different. This is not quite the Megadeth we knew before. This is kind of like it's kind of like Megadeth decided to come in wearing a wearing a suit instead of you know just like the denim and leather. It, it feels it just feels 
It feels like Megadeth, but it feels like Megadeth matured a little, which is nice because they didn't lose what they did originally. There are still some fucking ripping songs on here, <laughs> but it's they they kind of toned it down some, and I feel like it was I want to say for the better because just like uh, which is ironic. I know actually I didn't know a Black Album came out after this album. I thought it came out before, but ironically I feel like. Maybe they were a little ahead of Metallica and realizing the trend was uh, it, no, Metallica, more towards... Metallica came out before. Metallica comes thought, out in no, 1990. Okay. Metallica comes out in 1991. Um, and I, thought, then, I thought the story was that that came out to, to uh, a week later. Right? I th- and that's, that's what I thought it was. Now, now that you mentioned it, that, that screws up my whole story from earlier. But I that's what I thought they said in the... Um, in the documentary, maybe uh, maybe I heard it wrong. Okay. Or you know what? What's that, Doctor Wiki? <laughs> but yeah, the uh, I feel like they really because I know that was ninety. I know uh, Countdown was ninety two. That, that I do know because you know I know my uh, I know my Megadeth like the palm of my hand. Heyo. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Uh, countdown. 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 When did it come out? Come on. Uh, it came out June, July six ninety two. Okay, July six. Okay, Metallica. The album, okay. August twelfth, nineteen ninety. August twelfth, nineteen ninety one. Oh, okay. So it came out a week away from a year. Right. Um, okay. I don't okay. know. Maybe it didn't instantly really go number one. Who the hell knows? But go on with what you. <laughs> but yeah, I was I was saying that they. I guess I guess now let me switch it a little. It is them following Metallica's lead, which I know, which is a lot of people. Too, and I think I did say on three beers, I was like, you know, I felt like Metallica really started a trend, which they did. I felt like Metallica or Megadeth handled it better because, you know, I I do I, maybe I don't appreciate the Black Album enough because I've really have only heard it a few times. I I guess I've gotten tired of hearing Inner Sandman forty thousand times. <laughs> I was like, okay, I mean, yeah, the song is beaten to death. It's a really good song, but it's beaten to death. Christ Almighty. I'm gonna tell and I'm gonna tell you the same thing I tell Sean on the long road to road. You must divorce yourself from the context and appreciate the art in the moment that you are experiencing it. That is true. Nothing else matters is a great song too. That is like because uh, I have an okay singing voice and I have serenaded a girl or two with it. And it worked. Did I, did I tell you that that, that um, we had my wife had uh, two um, friends of the family who she regarded as like her second moms do readings for our wedding and because I I wanted my dad to do a reading too but he's an atheist so I couldn't really have him read from the Bible um, so I had him read the lyrics to Nothing Else Matters <laughs> now awesome. that that's not the punchline to that story the punchline to that story is without realizing he was doing it he did it as Shatner as Shatner? so close yes. no matter how far <laughs> Couldn't be much more from the heart. Yeah, I I do an okay Shatner. I love me some Shatner. But uh, oh, you should have had him to read the lyrics from an atheist atheist track just to be just for funsies. No, no, was, yeah. this was a wedding, not a political rally. Well, no, atheists are they're, they are a great band. You should listen to an atheist. You might like them if you like that crazy progressive shit like death metal. But anyway, anyways, I feel like the, this was. This was Megadeth doing doing kind of like what Metallica did, stripping their sound down a little, making it a little more mature. Personally, I know I like this album more than the Black Album. I know you'll disagree because you like the Black Album more than I do. 
But I feel like they managed to do better than Metallica did with that sound. This euthanasia, I'm pretty sure you said you really like. Cryptic writings, I think you're going to like. Risk, probably, maybe. But yeah, I mean, it's. I feel like they did better with that sound than Metallica did. I know we probably shouldn't bring up Metallica too much because I'll get you mixed up again. <laughs> I'm old and I but, forget stuff. Oh, hell. I'm young, and I walk into a room and forget why I walked in, walked out, then walk in again and be like, damn it! (laughs) (laughs) I I do want to talk about the next song. Um, And, look, I don't don't want to queer the deal or, you know, give too much away here. So let me just say, um, Sweating Bullets was the uh, 29 on the U.S. mainstream rock chart and 26 in the U.K., uh, Dave Mustaine said about about it that he had wrote it about himself. Uh, he said, it was pointed out to me that I'm kind of schizophrenic and that I live inside my head, which is something I don't subscribe to, but I enjoy the theory nonetheless. I think all of us are sweating bullets all of the time. Society's a joke right now, and people are getting more and more hostile. When you think about it, when you think about having an evil twin or schizophrenia, I think a lot of us are schizo because we live inside our heads. There's someone we all confer with. It's called our conscience. Some people cannot control their other side. It takes them over. Everybody has that psychotic side. Everyone has a thing that will make them snap. So, oh, yeah. uh, I'm call it, calling my uh, death metal screamo. Um, you know, he wrote that, or rather, he said that. Uh, I don't know when he said that, but it's, <laughs> but I'm sure it was around the same time that this came out. It's you know, it's it's an interesting thought. Um, and again, I'm more whether or not I subscribe to the actual belief. I'm always fascinated by how certain songs come into being, and so this was uh, somewhat self-biographical in, in the sense that he's talking about his own mental health issues. So this is easily my favorite Megadeth song, just for the video. This is Sweating Bullets. <laughs> That's got some serious swing. It's it's a great song, 
And I'll tell you, I mean, as silly as that beginning is, it's, it's, it's what makes it memorable. You know, again, this is now um, 20 some odd years later. And that, and if I've forgotten everything else about, I know about Megadeth, I'll always remember. Hello, me. <laughs> Hello, me. Yeah. The, uh, like, this is like just listening. Actually, when I was listening to the uh, track through the phone here, as funny as it was, I I, can't, I really just thought about it for a second. As I mentioned last, at the last song, you could really tell the differences between Rest in Peace and uh, Countdown. Like, I think the main one that I just noticed listening, I'm like, you know what? When we were listening to Rest in Peace, there was like a solo every two, every minute or two. This time they really kind of saved the solos for when they're needed. Which is which is cool, and they focus more on the hook and the like, the you know the stuff that'll get you kind of remembering the song. Which is honestly how I how I really judge a lot of music. Like, how well does it stick with me? Like most of my top five last year was how well did it stick with me? Which I guess that is music, right? I mean, some albums are great, but if you don't remember what the fuck they were about, you're like, eh. you know, maybe it could it could have been better, could have been catchier. Which, you know, I guess that's a lot of, that's what you can say about a lot of pop music. The reason why people love it is because it sticks with them and it's so catchy. But yeah. pop music I is really kind of I think that's, really that's what vapid. I was saying before. You know, I, I, if if you lose it just as soon as you hear it, I can't, I mean, look, you, you talk to a lot of people, and I mentioned this about my friend Paul, who's, who, you know, music is just sort of the background to life. Um, And... You know, and that's fine if that's how you come to all music. But you know, for me, who hears a lot of it and thinks about it and talks about it, you know, and it's such an important, it's 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 an integral part of my life's blood. For something to really stick, it has to be special because so much of what I listen to just passes right through me. Um, and that's what you were saying about uh, about pop the music. Bell of your life. It really is. It is um, I'm a, I'm a little lactose yeah, intolerant, so. Oh really? You couldn't live with me. I'm a cereal killer. I kill cereal all the time. Well, no, I mean that doesn't that doesn't stop me. I'll eat ice cream and then go ha- and, and then go have the itis. I don't care. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's how my dad is. My dad's allergic to soy sauce. <laughs> that's funny. Anything with soy sauce, he'll be like, oh shit. <laughs> but yeah. the point that I, but, the point uh, that I was getting at was it. Um, you know, there has to be something to latch on to with music, or it's just kind of. You know, it, it's a cookie. You know, it feels good in the moment, and then you forget about it five seconds later. Yeah, yeah, that is true. No, no, granted, some, like, let's see, I'm trying to think, too, like, the Russian side, those albums that I listened to on my top five were just so damn good, I couldn't remember, like, I didn't remember specific songs. It was so great, I just went back and listened to the whole album, so I would. You know, that is, there, there is two things. Like, you, there's instant recognition, and then there's, I don't remember that. Oh, shit, I want to go listen to that again. Because I don't like, like as I was saying about pop music, like I find a lot of pop music to be forgettable and vapid, and that's the reason why pop music has, you know, always stays popular because it does change because the same bullshit never seems to stick. Which with metal, metal, I feel like metal heads are a little more uh, dedicated because like pop music, I think a lot of people who don't like, uh, you know, who don't really like music tend to stick to pop because it's there, it's a thing, yeah. and they don't care. Totally like right. metalheads, or even people who love like you know hip hop and shit like that. But like always, hip hop's lesser. I feel I feel like metal has the most dedicated fan base, and I'm not trying to be biased here. I feel like because they go out of their way, they go out of their way to find the music. And if you love a band, you will do that. Like you know me, hell. I, if I showed you my heavy metal spreadsheet, you'd probably be like, "What the fuck?" 
I try to catalog catalog every really upcoming release for like the next month. Even the in little the, releases that nobody will hear about. In the interest of time we're gonna um we're gonna hit the last three songs here. This was Robert's pick from Countdown to Extinction Megadeth's most commercially successful album. This is Architect of Aggression. Tell me why, 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 why? Why? Tell you why, tell you why? Yeah. Did I go pick the song? Yeah, Grease. Okay. <laughs> Perfect for the Megadeth podcast. Yeah, I picked the song because I felt like this was kind of like the remnants from Rust in Peace. Like, I remember I looked at the track list today. Like, the first track was Skin of My Teeth. And I, I really like that song. It's a good track. So it has a lot of energy to it. Then you have Symphony, which is kind of like the new Megadeth. And then you have this, which kind of melds some of the sensibilities from that new Megadeth with the old Megadeth, if you want to call it that. Like it still, it still has kind of, kind of that kind of that really catchy. It's still got that attempt to really catch you, but it also has really good solos. It's got it's got the thrash and the and like the kind of the hard the heavy metal section because I wouldn't quite call this rock yet. I don't they don't go full rock until Risk. This album, I kind of feel like they went for a, like a traditional metal, maybe a little power metal vibe to it. Because actually, what I was going to get to as I wrap it up, because really, like I chose the song because it was it was blistering. It had a lot of blistering solos to it. It was really memorable. It had kind of a it was kind of it was about war, as you could tell by the name "Architecture of Aggression." <laughs> talking about when your enemy sprays it, like, sprays your architecture of aggression. Yeah, it's about war and weapons and bullshit like that. But the, this album in general, it really took from, like, Rust was a lot about, all oh, like, the technical aspect of the band, which is just, like, solos, just long entrances, and just, you know, really kind of rewarding, rewarding the fans for just sticking with them, you know, rewarding those hardcore fans. This album was really the entrance, like, into in, into the mainstream, more or less. It's probably why this album did so well. There's a lot of mid-paced songs, like Symphony, uh, Psychotron, Trying to think, uh, can't remember the rest of them. There's a lot of more mid-paced songs, things that uh, that that'll catch your average listener and maybe you know maybe uh, you know maybe get them to stay, stuff like that. There's some really good, there's some really good thrashy songs. This is like the best of both worlds. Without my Miley Cyrus, <laughs> this is the best of both worlds when it comes to Megadeth. And albums like this and the Black album I find to be are are great to metal because you give like, let's say you have a, a brother or a sister, and they're like, hey, 
you know, I kind of like that. And then you give them Black Album, you give them maybe like Master of Puppets, you give them kind of Countdown to Extinction, and they're just like, holy shit, this is really good. Because it's kind of like one of those, like, it, it'll catch you with its hooks, but you'll stay for the thrash, and that'll make you want to go back to the thrash. I think that's cool because there's still a symbol. There's a little hint of old Megadeth still here. The next album, I think, still has so it still has some Megadeth in it, which I'm sure that is a great segue, right? Right? <laughs> yes. Um, in 1994, yeah. the year I graduated high school, as a matter of fact, uh, though by this and time I was, I was not uh, even three. I was not <laughs> even three. Uh, I had actually started college by this point. Megadeth produced their follow-up to Countdown to Extinction, Euthanasia, which continued the trend of uh, more of a hard rock sound for Megadeth than, uh, than Thrash. The, uh, the idea here was to try, this time, to actually get to number one. They never got there. Um, yeah, sadly. And, and it was a really solid album. Which it, uh, the highest that it reached was number four on the Billboard 200. And um, as of right now, it's the last one that went certified platinum. So this really this this period here is really Megadeth tight. After this, things kind of um, they, they they start to go downward in terms of commercial success and popularity. I mean, Megadeth will always have their Robert, you know, their hardcore fans, and they certainly do make money, yeah. especially especially. Oh, yeah, they mid- got uh, they got in the top ten, I think. They got number nine, I think, last time. I think the highest I've seen besides like a Rush or a Metallica Slayer got I think four with a World Painted Blood. It's like four or six, something like that. But yeah, the, uh, uh, you always have the hardcore guy, which is why you usually see a metal album. Like you know, if it's like an older metal album, it'll hit the charts and it'll 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 be usually have a respectable maybe a top ten, and then it'll just plummet. Unlike pop albums, which usually are able to sit up there for you know weeks on end. Audrey Metallica, who sat up there for three weeks, but that's that's magnetic. <laughs> So let's get into this. Now, I know the first single off the album was Train of Consequences, and so I bet you're wondering, oh, I bet they're going to play Train of Consequences. Nope, go in there. That's a funny story about that song. The the live, they have a live version of this. Like, you know, the extended editions, like, you know, those set of albums, like the white album covers, just like kind of like a live show. It's, you Mm -hmm. know, in your $5 band. Train of, this is from 04. Gave us days doing train of consequences. It's pretty unbearable by now because he's like, the train of consequences. Like, he, he can't do it. He, he can't. <laughs> it's just embarrassing. Which, like, one friend of mine, Justin, he, he's like, I can't do it. I love that song. It just got ruined for me. Damn it, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Um, yeah. All right. So let's get into a uh, song that I actually played this for my wife earlier and just didn't tell her what it was. Oh, I love like, that hey, song. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, this is, too, right? Yes, with uh, the chick from Lacuna Coil. This is a toot lemon. I accomplished all my plans tonight. 
one of the few that, um, especially up to this point, uh, might have been the only uh, song that uh, even comes close to approaching uh, a ballad. But yeah. it's, 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 it is it is the only approximation of pretty that I've ever heard out of out of Megadeth. Oh, wait till you get to Risk. There are some actually, like, really, there are some, some real, actually good ballads on Risk. <laughs> that album. Oh, that album. Uh, I want to love that album, but at the same time, I just want to stab it. But yeah, this song, I, I love this song. Speaking of my friend Justin, me and him, like, he was, he's an alter, alternative rock kind of type of guy, so his metal was like, he knew some Rainbow in the Dark, some Holy Diver, he knew some Metallica, and the only negative song he knew was this one. So, out in the fountain at the college he just starts playing it. i just start you know just belting it out and there's actually people like wow you two look pretty good together i'm like hey man this is a fucking good song <laughs> I, I can't i can't do it wrong <laughs> it's, that's great yeah i actually like this version a lot more than the i like it a lot more than the remake too like i know most people are like that I, I felt like the remake was good but the the whole call and response type of thing that they had I feel it didn't have as much weight as just Dave. Because, you know, this this song was actually banned from MTV, believe it or not. Why this, was it banned from MTV? Because the lyrics can be, uh, what was it? It was seen as a potential song to encourage suicide. That's what the French section kind of is. Like, it's it's almost like a... Like a kind of a like a like it's almost like a suicide now. Like I just looked it up, and it's basically like basically saying to all the world, to all my friends, I love you all. Now I must leave. Basically, pretty much that's that's what it's saying. And it was banned from MTV, kind of like a skin of my teeth from the last album almost got banned because it was seen as cause it's talking about the guy trying to kill himself or almost killing himself or something. And uh, yeah, MTV is like, oh, just show them you but she was here, can't hit yet, so. They uh, banned it, and then they banned the sequel too. But the sequel, the sequel, the remake uh, actually made it onto Headbangers Ball once. But <laughs> yeah, I, like I, I really like this song. I felt I felt like this is it really shows the progression of Megadeth from you know thrash, the epitome of thrash to kind of like a 
like really a hard rock album or a heavy metal album with thrash tinges. And then you get to this, which is really just a straight heavy metal album, in my opinion. Not like in the same way as like, you know, Number of the Beast or something, but it's not quite soft enough to be hard rock. There are some really good, really catchy tracks on here, which I'll talk about once we get to my track. But I feel like this album kind of gets shit on a lot because a lot of people think of it as like Load. Like I know I did when I first listened to it because, you know, Megadeth Metallica, you can't help but compare them. You know, Black Album, Countdown, they were very similar in, I guess, the way they approached things. And I think a lot of people assumed that Euthanasia was just, went the exact same way as Load, which, in my opinion, it did not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Let's actually get into, let's get to the last track of the night. Um, I really don't have anything more to add to this. I, I barely remember Euthanasia, to be perfectly honest with you. I know I bought it. Um, the thing that I remember, and I was actually trying to look it up, and I can't, I can't find anything on it, but what I remember most about Euthanasia was that the band got some degree of controversy because people objected to, I guess it was the Friend of Consequences the video. Yeah, well, it was the, the cover, what? and then they, then, then they animated it in the video where the woman is hanging babies out to dry. They're not fucking real babies. <laughs> I just never understood why people get upset about this sort of thing but yeah it's there's an the animation of a, we have warnings on like on uh, warnings on plungers and uh, toilet brush cleaners that say not for personal use <laughs> yeah they're there I've seen pictures I'm like you've got to be fucking kidding me yeah it's the same reason <laughs> people are stupid <laughs> somebody's going to do it and then blame it on Megadeth and then, then like, the media is going to attack heavy metal just like they always do fuckers so <laughs> Yeah, um, that's all I really remember of, of Megadeth at that you, time. Euthanasia did you doesn't. Listen to this album? And I, again, I when it came out, sure. Did I go back? I'm and talking about to it. To, to, no, oh, damn it, Marge. I barely got past <laughs> Rust in Peace. Oh wow! You need to go back and listen to Countdown and Euthanasia. You really, I think you'll really like them because they're really got that. I love. No, I've already said I love Countdown to Extinction, and that I did listen to all the way through. But I've also heard that album a billion times because I like it so much. Yeah. It's so Euthanasia you know, yeah, that I listened to when it came out, and I haven't really listened to it much since because I don't remember liking it when it came out. For, uh, when it came uh, out. And I just yeah, gave I, up. You should, I think you should give it a try because it's, it's, really it's a really solid record. I think it's pretty good, actually, because it, it manages to meld – Meld like what's left of the thrash. Like it, there's no really like high speed songs or anything, but it's got uh, it's it's got a really nice understanding of what it's trying to do and it accomplishes it. Which you know I'll talk about the rest of the album once we get to my track, which we're gonna listen to next, right? Yes, we're gonna listen to it right now. This is the last track of the night, folks. Thank you for staying with us for as long as you have in this two plus hour podcast. I gotta go to oh, bed, Robert. It's going to be two and a half because we're oh. going to, I'm going to keep talking and then we're going to do plugs and then we're going to talk about that damn cantina band again. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> this is the killing road.
I can see why you like that one. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really it's got really catchy. Like after I first heard the song, because like I said, euthanasia, I really wrote off. Like I wrote off everything past really countdown when I first started listening. I wrote off everything that wasn't like eighties Megadeth and Rust and Peace. And like, yet you criticized me for. Wait a minute, and yet you criticized me because I haven't gone back and listened to it. You did well, the exact same because, thing that I did. Well, yeah, but that was because I was just getting into metal when I was like. 15, 16, well, you, you know, it was, it was your job, Mark. You were supposed to go back and listen to every every album, you know, and then you were supposed to come back to me and be like, you know, you know, you know, Robert Cooper, you were really right. Metallica is a really good band, though, but I think Megadeth's a little better. There was never going to be a time when I was going to remove Slayer from the number one position. Let's just get that well, straight. Well, no, but, you could, but, you, could, but you, you could put Metallica at the number four position. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now this this album, like this song, is a really good representation of what they do on the album. Like, there's not really any like architecture of aggression where it's just you know fast blistering guitar solos. It's really kind of mid tempo. It's like a re- it's a really nice listen. As you can, if you like that out song, I would suggest the rest of the album. You know, I would anyways. But it's really catchy. It's really hooky. And it's it's generally nice. Listen, like I said, I, this was like one of the first songs I listened to off of that album. Once you know, I got past the songs on my greatest hits, and I found myself you know just singing "You Lost My Mind." I thought I found myself singing that like around the house. I'm like, shit, I really like this song. And there's one song that I think another song, "Euthanasia," has a, the title track has a really good beat, to, has a really good riff to it. But actually, the last song on the album, or I think it's next to last. <laughs> It's called Victory, and it takes every almost every song name from the first five albums and turns it into a song. The lyrics okay, of the song. Okay, this names. I have to go by. Yeah, okay. This th- we may have to play this on the next podcast then. Just just uh, uh, policy. Um, yeah, because it's, it's really I, neat because like you make it work for the most part. It's a little goofy, but like Foster Death does a little bit of that. I think it was like American Capitalist where they where. Um, where I told you before that war is the answer, and you know, and they start like naming other songs in there. I used to do that bit actually, where I would have an entire conversation with somebody and nothing but song titles. I think I've done that before. Usually, it's just me and my buddy Nick. Nick's, Nick is literally like I tried to get him on here, but it's probably a good thing I didn't because me and him are back and forth is literally uh, to me two of me talking. It is just rapid fire jokes and bullshit. Just back and forth. Yeah, we 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 did that once. Like we 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 actually do that all the time with Megadeth because we're, he has their whole discography and I have the whole thing on my computer. I'll be a little bit legally. Well, I don't want to run out of I don't want to run out of recording time, so we are going to. Um, what is the limit? I I think I've gone as far as an hour past what I had it set to, and so we're getting dangerously close. So okay. let me go ahead. Let, let me go ahead and say, Robert, fifty words or less. The first six albums of Megadeth, your final thoughts, go. My final thoughts. It really shows you a band that came, it shows that there's a band that came from really just a really bitter man. And that shows their progression from finding their identity to really topping their genre to coming down to a really more, more, something that's more economical, something that makes more sense for the times. Because if they kept doing what they were doing, they would have just crashed and burned and because, you know, not, 90s was not good for thrash. I would recommend, like, basically, in order, Rust in Peace would be my number one. It's my favorite album, but I think, I think it would actually be 
for somebody you're trying to make them understand what is Megadeth, you give them Rust, because Rust in Peace shows you everything that they had before, and then maybe and then I give them I would give them Countdown because Countdown is a great melding of the two worlds of what you'll get because Killing is my business and uh, so far so good so what are both in my opinion very good albums but they're kind of production wise at least the originals were. <laughs> Pretty bad, but they're kind of raw. They're just kind of your straightforward thrash. Now, I mean, killing, if you want to give them killing and say, go go at the discography, great choice. Still a good choice. Now, Peace Cells. Peace Cells is kind of like the wild card. Peace Cells is just, it's a classic, just like Rust. If you want if you want to show somebody what, what Megadeth was and make them happy for, or make them excited for what they will become, give them Peace Cells because it's got, it is, I think a lot of people say that Give That is the best album by Megadeth. It's really 50-50 when you look at it. Peace sells, rest in peace. I don't I don't know. Which one would you pick, Mark? Oh, well, both of them have um, their, their superior qualities over the other. Um, I would tell you that Megadeth got better um, with each progressive album, so by, based on that assessment, I would have to say rest in peace. Yeah, that's mine. That's mine, too, and Actually, it is quite funny because as they keep going away from Rust in Peace, like the albums get progressively like less metal, <laughs> and they do get worse. But it's still funny because Cryptic Writings is actually the album that we'll cover first. It's actually a very good album. Like I think you should. Hell, you have a whole month. I'm sure you can get seven albums. Actually, yeah, seven albums. And you can do that in a month. I'll you. make my wife listen to every single album on the way up to North Carolina. Oh hell yeah, dude! Oh man, you know what I mean, North Carolina? Jeez. What? It'll be the fun. I said I was just thinking, shit. You will be in North Carolina. If only, I, if only you weren't still like six hours away from me. <laughs> oh, everything's like fifteen minutes away in North Carolina. It's not like you live in a big state. You're kidding, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not. It's, um, I mean, I wasn't sure if that was sarcasm. I'm like, I know we're not the biggest state, but 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 the beach is in my size, mind. In my mind, oh, North uh, Carolina is the size of Rhode Island. <laughs> Ouch. No, it's a good six-hour drive, depending on which beach you're talking about, especially during the summer, which, you know, because every Yahoo and Yokel and college student and high school student is going to be at the beach. I think so, we're yeah. staying in what Duck. I, you're staying where? I think we're staying in Duck. Oh, Duck. <laughs> I have no clue where Duck is. I'm not a really okay. beachy person. It's right next I'm more to Kill Devil Hill. Oh, right next to Kill Devil Hill. Isn't that the huge, that's a huge sand dune, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I went. I went down there. I went rolling down that hill, and then me and my cousin skipped rocks up the Wright Brothers Memorial because you know we're we're, we're classy children. Wait, how do you live in the okay. in North Carolina and not know where the Outer Banks are? No, I know where the Outer Banks are. Okay, well that's what we're. I know. That's I've been to them. If you if you want if you want to drive by the house that we're staying at, you know, and make sure that I'm keeping up with my Megadeth, that's where you'll find me. Uh, I'll just hit you up on I'll hit you up on Facebook. Yeah, you're there. <laughs> uh, you're right. I should have stayed you on. <laughs> I hmm? checked in at Duck. Yes. <laughs> Where are you? I am a Duck. <laughs> I am a Duck, my friend. Yeah. I, uh, I I told uh, my friend's wife is pregnant, and she said that she would let me watch all the UFC and all the Superman that I wanted if I plied her with um, donuts from uh, Duck Donuts. Oh, Duck! Oh, Duck Donuts. Is that what they're called? Dunkin' Donuts? No, no, not Dunkin' Donuts. We have Dunkin' Donuts everywhere. Krispy Kreme? 
Ugh, I'm not having this conversation anymore. I'm pretty sure it's duck. Well, no. Okay, I have no clue what they are. Krispy Kreme is the one that's like really popular around here because you know that's where this is where they started. You can get some cheer wine while you're here too. Go ahead, get some cheer wine. If you have um, no clue what that is, it's my really uh, it's my wife's really into that the, the cheer wine. Okay, there's a whole website dedicated to Duck Donuts. Have you never been to the Outer Banks? No, I've I've been a few times when I was visiting family, so I didn't really get to see the sites. I'm more of a mountainy person. Okay, I'm see, posting that's the cool thing about North... I'm posting it on your like... page. Okay, I mean, I, I, that's the cool thing about North Carolina. We got mountains, and we got like you know plains, and then we got a beach. That's neat. <laughs> Duck all donut. you have in Florida is all you have in Florida is just like, you know, like old people and then beaches and then Disney and then and bath salts. And the history of metal and, and the history of metal. Death oh, metal history of death that. metal, yeah. The, the capital of US death metal. <laughs> if not death metal in the world. All right. That anyway, brings plus. us to glorious conclusion <laughs> of our first look at uh, the life and times of Thrash Metal Pioneers Megadeth. Mega Dave, <laughs> mega, yeah, mega, mega angry. Um, why don't you go ahead and uh, plug uh, plug your beard, plug everything, plug, and, uh, plug we'll... my beard, <laughs> plug, plug your my beard. hammer. Yeah. I'm okay. Really so let's see. Uh, oh yeah. Let's see. So yeah, I guess speaking of the beards, the Three Beards podcast. It's me, and my buddy Kevin, and Fletcher. The three of us. We just. It's your typical like morning show type we talk about you know like nerdy shit and we talk about dumb news stories then we talk and then they talk about alcohol because i don't drink i'm kind of out of the loop on that and then we have one through three where it's like you know three stories and then mark gets hit in the head with a guitar yeah you should check us out hopefully the episode six or seven or which one everyone it is hopefully it'll be out soon it was supposed to be out last friday but kevin had a busy week so, yeah, you should check us out on iTunes, The Three Beards, or Facebook.com slash The Three Beards Podcast, or find us on Blogspot and all that shit. Other things, let's see, The Hammer of Doom, you know, my Sunday column that you, that you should totally read, Mark. I don't know if you read it or not. You should totally read The Hammer of Doom. So, I do want to get around to it. Them. Make me sad, Mark. Whatever. I, I listen to your podcast. And I, I really listen to do. yours. I listen to I listen to that's how I know you, you refer to me as old man Rattledge. I listen to your uh, your corporations podcast with uh, Winfrey. How was that, by the way? It was good. I I, I listened to it while I was doing work this morning. Um, it was a fun listen. There were less blue less blue waffles. <laughs> there were no blue waffles. Yeah, yeah, it was a fun podcast. So you could tell I was like, oh shit, like I don't know as much. I I wish I knew more about evil corporations. But anyways. By the way, I really want in on that Hulk podcast. I think I tweeted you all about that. Yeah, we did. did. Um, he's gonna—he's actually gonna bring you in on part two of it, so that we're not all talking over each other. Um, so the first okay. podcast is just gonna be me and him, and we're gonna talk about the Hulk exclusively. And then he's gonna—and then next week he'll bring you on, and you can do Hulk villains. So now you have a whole week to study. Oh, good. Okay, okay. Anyways, yeah, uh, Hammer of Doom. I talk metal news, metal releases, you know, free music, whatever. Uh, this week, what did we talk about this week? This week we talked about a fun system of a down. That was apparently they're having drama because their singer doesn't want to really do anything with the band. And the bassist said something about it in, on uh, Facebook. And then the band's like, oh, he made a bad decision. <laughs> it's one of those. Like, you know, you spoke the truth, now you're in trouble. Uh, oh. Yeah, we had stuff like 
And then we get more news on Ozzy's recovery. Apparently he's doing well. Spoilers. So I don't know if he's really doing well or if Sharon just wants us to think he's doing well. And there's a new trailer for the Metallica movie. Yeah, the Metallica movie. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's that. And, uh, yeah, it's actually, and rather than just a concert movie, it has a plot to it, so I'm kind of afraid. Yeah. All right. And, uh, let's see. Yeah, and uh, let's see. And it's like, hell, in like 30 minutes, I'm going to start doing the uh, four-player co-op podcast, Stephen Randall's uh, podcast, video game podcast, where we just, it's me, and it'll probably be Jeremy Thomas and Sean Garmer. And I think it'll just be the four of us talking bullshit. So, yeah, it'll be that. And uh, anything else I need to plug? No, no. I have a few album reviews coming out. But hopefully, uh, this is Orchid, uh, Dark Throne. I still need to get the Melvins out, God help me. And Tyler, uh, which needs to be out this week because the album Ultraviolet came out. Anyways, go, Mark, go. You got All right. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to make this really uh, short and sweet like I like my women. Um, next nice. Tuesday. <laughs> Thank you. Next Tuesday uh, will be part two of the Scream podcast, and then uh, June fourth is no June fourth is the next uh, is the Scream podcast. I think I said Jurassic Park was going to precede Superman. Uh, I goofed yeah. on the amount of weeks that it was, so we're actually going to put off Jurassic Park. We'll be doing Superman after Scream, and that'll be the week that I come back from the Outer Banks. Uh, the same Still week. Still one in on that. Still one in on it. Jeff Harris and I will be doing our post-movie discussion of Man of Steel, which looks awesome. I'll be seeing that. I'm allowed to go out and see that while I'm in the Outer Banks. We're having a guy's night out to go see Man of Steel. Uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, Sunday nights, 9 o'clock, is the uh, MMA podcast, the 401 Ground and Pound show. You had a brilliant idea, by the way, which is the entire 401 writing, <laughs> MMA writing through gauntlet uh, against Cain Velasquez. And I'm sh- and I'm pretty sure we could all be. I'm pretty sure we could all beat uh, Antonio Silva's time. Well, but, yeah, we're um, gonna call it Starnes, that bitch. I was like, yeah. well, what? It's like, well, what if we all run? What happens? I mean, who survives? Who runs the least? Cain That whole situation and Cain Velasquez in particular makes me so angry. I would just run right into him. I'm just like, ah! I, missed, I, I missed everything but the finish because my stream went wonky. But I was like, I was like, fuck, is it over? God damn. <laughs> Yeah, we'll Damn it, Bigfoot! The glass jaw. Um. All right. Tomorrow we tomorrow, barring my friend doesn't have a, a meeting or something, so some shit that that delays him, we will we will be recording a new episode of the Right Hook, where I'm going to talk about giving your kids pot brownies instead of Ritalin. I'm not even joking about that. <laughs> that was an article that I tweeted during this show. Uh, I was uh, on Ritalin. <laughs> well, you, well, you should have been on pot brownies. Um. And what else am I doing? Um, if you want to hear my thoughts on wrestling, check out thecasualheroes.com. And I'm sure at some point I'll be doing a MMA podcast for thecasualheroes.com just as soon as Chris gives me a call and tells me he wants me to come on. All right, so that's that. Um, make sure you tune in about a month from now for part two of the Megadeth podcast where we'll tackle the last... Five this long. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll, have, uh, we'll talk about the last seven albums and then... Uh, in the beginning of July, we will get into Megadeth's newest 14th album, whatever the hell it's called. So until Super then, Collider. Super Collider, fantastic. Until then, for Robert Cooper, this is the mandated reporter Mark Radulich. Be well, be safe, and behave. I've been